What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of NDS. Uh, today, we have a special guest. Uh, his name is Pedro Santos. He is a senior solutions engineer for IBM. Super cool shit, super cool shit. Um, Pedro, what's going on? How's everything? Oh, not too bad. Just a long day so far. And it's still a weekend. Still a weekend. You're right. Labor Day. Labor Day. Labor Day. Uh, do, do, do we still do the do not wear white after Labor Day thing? Do people still do that? Do you know? No, I don't think. I, I never did. That no? was really weird to me. Like, I, you know, like, what would be the idea, though? I don't. I, th- I think it has something to do with like marriage or pregnancy or I don't. I don't know what the actual hmm. thing was behind it, but hmm. <laughs> I was to say the whole you don't wear white after Labor Day. It just seems like something that I grew up with and that doesn't stick yeah. anymore in the times of today. That that, that kind of reminds me of one of those things where mom was like, "Oh, you got to do this before you go to bed. Oh, you don't put don't put the purse on the table because that's bad for money. You know those kinds of things." So I think I'd chalk it up to one of those. You'll get pulled over if you have the lights on in your car. Turn out to be a myth. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember those uh, boogeyman dreams, those boogeyman scary things that mom used to tell us to do the right thing. Yeah. So what's up, man? Oh, uh, you know, I've just been working on a, too many projects, honestly, personally. And, uh, <laughs> too many. <laughs> yeah. There's always too many. Anything you could go into. Um, yeah, a few. Um, I mean, one of them is the home lab. So mm-hmm. that's one of the things I've been working on a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got some Cisco switches and routers there. Nice. We've got two ESXi hosts right now and then hopefully a few more. But um, I'm really trying to get it to an enterprise level in the sense of um, keeping me sane. So when certificates expire, when mm. um, just different problems happen, right now I'm literally just going to each VM and, and fixing it, whereas I need more centralization. Um other than that, there's the, the car project I was telling you about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, oh God, there's a million of them. Um, some modding stuff for like the Nintendo Switch. I mean, it's just literally, I, I occupy myself with you're, dumb random projects. You're a tech guy through and that, through. That's that's what it is, yeah. <laughs> wasting a lot of money. <laughs> I, I, I think the, uh, yeah, the same is true for me. Um, I just bought uh, a new motherboard for a file server. Um, I just, I have to buy some new soda, MECC, RAM. Um, I'm going to New York. Um, I'm buying this... Uh, Dell R720 mm. from this guy called uh, Tech Mike New York. Yeah. So I'm going to call him up because um, I don't want to pay the shipping mm. when he's like right around the corner. I'll just buy the thing and then and go pick go, it up. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, it, it that one I configured uh, with like 128 gigs of RAM, dual E5 2697s, which is um, 12 core. Yeah. Uh, dual 12 core processors. So it's, it's, it's pretty it's pretty hefty. Um. I have a file server, so I'm not gonna go too much on the hard drive. But I know what you yeah. mean, man. It's a money waster. That's oh, like that's like a that's close to two grand that I'm just talking about. Just oh, just yeah. that um, easy. Um, it, it'll get higher. So yeah, man. Uh, so solutions architect. For those who don't know, mm-hmm. what is that? So it, it really depends on what you're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, a solutions architect usually does the job of helping a customer, a client, whoever it may be, whoever the end entity, the deliverable person is, um, figure out what they need to do with that solution. So they'll come to us and say, hey, you know, I need you, this product or what I do, right? In the case of MDM, um, they'll come to you and say, this is what I need. This is how I need it to be. These are the compliances that I need to stay in touch with. Mm-hmm. And then of course, these are the nice to haves. And they rely on us to make that solution work for them. So not so much that we're on the development side, we're really on the deployment side of things. Uh, but that's really what we come up from. We start from the very beginning where they don't know anything about it. And by the end, we've helped them get to where they need to be configuration wise. 
But there's uh there's different levels of uh solutions, right? There's yeah. like uh, uh enterprise solutions, there's um I know there's one below that and then there's one for developers where yeah. um developing the tool sets to actually plug into um like the mid tier um mm. solutions guy and then after that it goes into the enterprise where we have this actual product that we want to plug into an existing yeah. enterprise network, which is really cool. It is. Um it, it's funny how we kind of specialized like before you think back to the time when we were growing up, you know, seventies, eighties, nineties, everyone kind of was a jack of all trades in technology. I think mm -hmm. if, if I'm understanding that time correctly, whereas now you really just have everyone specializing in what they do. Um, but you're right. Like in a, just at IBM and our team itself, you may have a solutions titled architect who is more of a developer. He's really an engineer. Mm. And then you go all the way to the top where there may be someone who's called a solutions architect and is really just a project manager. Mm -hmm. So it kind of goes, uh, there's a broad spectrum. Specifically, what I do is really a lot more pre-sales. Um, we work with the client specifically to, again, do that, right? Set everything up with them. Um, they come to us and they say, hey, you know, I want to use a VPN, but I have this issue or that issue. Um, and we tell them, okay, well, that's not really going to work, but we can do it this way instead. So a lot of times the thing I've noticed about architects and engineers is that you tend to end up not only solving problems for your product, but for another product that they have that's nothing related to you, mm -hmm. but you've kind of got to be that guy to figure it out and make it work. What what I love about what you guys do, and um, I'm actually going to start implementing that, which I, I you know, um, you have uh, places like Google mm -hmm. who they actually make you do a design doc before you even put code on mm. and you put code in the IDE, right? They want to see a design doc. And I, I usually never do that. Um, yeah. it, for me, it's more like, um, um, lists and, and things that I want to accomplish in the actual application before I start building it. Yeah. Um, and then I try to break that down into little pieces. But the one thing that I like that you guys do that I want to port over is you guys do UMLs. You guys actually design, like the diagrams in the network and you could see visually how everything is working, which is super cool to me. It is. Um, and, 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 uh, I know the, uh, the developers who are the, the solutions architects that you say, who are really developers, which really interesting to me, they actually do these designs for the actual programs mm -hmm. and it looks like an electrical, um, schematic. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just amazing to me. Like, um, that you break these things down to such granular level and, and you could break these applications down visually. You could break your network down so visually and the solutions architects, they, they put that together and they compile that information for the customers and, and, and for their own enterprise. And it just makes sense. Yeah. And I, I, and, uh, I'm really happy I have you here today yeah. because you guys really break it down to a science and, um, yeah, like we're, we got somebody here to demystify, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it'll demystify it, but um, yeah, no, and, and it is a difference. It's weird because like um, a lot of the people like I, I've started, like I told you, dabbling, I'm, I'm at best hobby level programmer. And, and it's such a different mindset when I do that, mm -hmm. because when I'm working with a customer on something as as an engineer, as an architect, I'm, I'm more focused on how I'm going to make it all work together. Mm -hmm. Right. How I'm going to plug in piece A, B, C and D. Whereas with programming, it, it actually, I think, is even a more difficult, but it's easier to process in my mind, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. the job itself is more difficult, but it's easier for me to figure it out. Where programming, obviously you as a programmer, you know, you know you're going to very small routines. You're going down to yes. the very low level of, you know, you need this one to be able to do this, to be able to do this, to be able to do this, and then put it all together and it'll do the function. Whereas we don't, we're a little bit more high level, but um, at the end of it, it is pretty. 
right? It, it, is, it is pleasing, it is. I guess. It is um, satisfying to see, yeah. to see the the uh, to see the outcome of what you guys do. It's really satisfying to see it on paper because you guys are like the uh, the liaison of the of the IT world. You guys actually translate a lot of this technical jargon to the business world, and it translates really nicely to where someone where you don't actually need the jargon. You could see it. Yeah. And you could visually explain to someone who isn't technically inclined and, and make them understand what's going yeah. on. And, and that's one of the biggest things I've encountered. Um, I've worked with some very large companies. You know, I, I, I don't know. Can we name some? Is that allowed? I mean, um, if whatever you feel comfortable yeah. with. Um, so, like, you know, Amazon's one of the ones that I've deployed a few mm. of their divisions, uh, MDM specifically, right? Mm. Mobile device management. And, and one of the things is that, like, number one, the larger companies, especially, are very well prepared. When you say you need something, they'll have it for you tomorrow, mm. right? Um, but I've also noticed that, like, when people come in, even if they're super technical, they're still just not very there with your what you're doing right even mm -hmm. mdm i mean uh, something like m device management right you think about it everyone knows the basics of it but they really don't mm -hmm. so that's where we get to come in and kind of take them from being i don't know anything about this to holy crap i'm basically an expert mm -hmm. um and, and and i think there's a rewarding part of it because i've been on the it side right where we're sysadmins where we're network admins mm -hmm. it's very frustrating to work with vendors when their people don't know what they're doing, mm. right? If I couldn't figure something out through the docs, I'm coming to you and you need to be able to have, help me figure it out. And so when we're able to work with a customer at that moment, and it becomes a relationship really, you know, uh, because it's never just one or two times you're working with them for a week, two, a month, six months, a year, even if, if it takes that long. And so you get to the point where you start to actually see the customer value you that much more mm. because they'll come to you before anything else to ask, even if it's unrelated to that specific product in the project, but something else goes wrong, they'll come to you before they ask even the other people because they can rely on you or they know that you have enough of knowledge in your field as well as general knowledge to give them the solution they're looking for. So I... I think at the end of the day, we're all tech people. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. We're all looking for puzzles. We're all Dr. Houses. That's right? true. That's yeah. the idea. It's, it, I'm sure you've had it where you've been coding for six hours and you can't figure out a problem. It's going to bug you the rest of the night. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, a lot of the larger companies like Google, um, my company actually does it too, where um, we have these um, nice work areas, mm -hmm. lounge chairs, nice break areas. Um, um, in the office next to us, we have like a rock climbing wall. Like, um, it's like it's so much. It's visually appealing to mm -hmm. us. Um, and the only reason why we do that, and Google, they understand is they've they've broken down the the signs to this where, um, they we we ask questions like why is there video games in the Google's office? Why 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 do we have like big fluffy couches and chairs for these developers to to go? Why are we giving them free food and places to not work mm -hmm. and the thing is that we work with our brain most of the day, so um, it does bug you, but it, it, it it's like a, a background process that's running. Yeah. So, like, you'll be playing a video game, and it happens to me all oh, the God. time. I'll be working on a program for, like, 12 hours, and I'll, I'll be so frustrated. I'll be like, fuck this, and I'll go over there, and I'll watch a movie, and uh, you, subconsciously, you don't even notice, but the program... The, the problem is still running in the background of your mind. And I'll be eating a burrito or some shit and I'll go, oh, oh, I figured it out. Got it. It just like 
the process just the problem got solved in the background and they tossed it up into the foreground yeah. and like alerted me and i'm just like in the middle of my burrito like oh figured it I out got it so yeah I, I know how satisfying it could be yeah. to like actually uh solve a lot of these problems and you and i mean and that's literally all you do is you you create these solutions for these um these customers right yeah i mean and, and it's it makes it better if it's interesting to you mm -hmm. right if you're a person that you know we know some people like that who got into technology because of a price tag because of a an opportunity wherever it may be you're not gonna have fun there you're gonna no. hate your life yeah i totally you, agree you have to enjoy it because i don't think anyone would want to do this just like anyone would want to do law or even realistically medicine if they just couldn't stand it to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, but to what you were saying about the larger companies, I think I've actually had a friend of mine who was actually like, oh, you know, Google and Facebook and all these people, they have all these big campuses, but they burn their people into the ground. And, and in reality, like that's in a way true, but I think they're missing the bigger picture of it. These are high performance companies. Mm -hmm. You know, these are companies that are bringing in the equivalent of I don't know, let's call it not Einstein, maybe that's going a little far, but they're, they're bringing the brightest minds that they can get their hands on into a collective. And yes, it is long hours. It's a lot of time. And that's why you get those amenities. Because like you were saying, when you've been sitting there working on a project for 60 hours, 70 hours, they're going to give you 10% of your time to go work on something for you, for your fulfillment. Mm -hmm. They're going to give you nice, high quality food for free to make sure you feel good. They're going to let you go play some video games so that your mind doesn't blow up. So- it, it kind of balances it's, out. It, 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 it does balance out. Um, I know my company when, um, I know in 2017, I did this course called COAC. And uh, mm. what they did was they provided us like uh, a counselor who would come in yeah. and teach us how to deal with stress because this is a it's high really stressful, nice. very stressful job. And it, it's funny because uh, when people think about stress, they think about the negative portion, the stress. But stress can be good too. Mm -hmm. Stress is just the amount of pressure, the amount of emotional pressure building up in the brain, mm -hmm. while, whether it's good or bad. Uh, and you just got to know how to balance the yeah. stress. So a lot of it, you know, is a bad stress, but some of it is good fulfillment and too much of anything will tip you over. Um, and you got to learn how to deal with that. And I know Google and Facebook and Uber, um, they what they've done is uh, and, and you know what? They don't they don't require hmm. their developers to work these hours, which is the which is the funny thing because they don't require you to do this stuff, right? They have deadlines. This is what a deadline is for. Like you can do whatever you want as long as you meet that deadline, right? The nice way of it. Yeah, the, <laughs> the nice way. And and you and you know, and your yearly review comes around and you've been missing deadlines, then you're kind of out of the door. You know yeah. what I mean? But so they don't say you have to work these hours, and they give these amenities for the employees to want to stay in that work environment. Yeah. So it is kind of like one of those things where they understand like you guys are stressed and we are a high performance company. We have very, very smart people working mm -hmm. for us and we want to give you guys something nice. We want to give you guys free food. But at the same time, I think they do know what they're doing when they Absolutely. put these amenities in the job. And it goes, cause a lot of the, what you hear about Google employees living in their cars, right? Mm -hmm. They don't need anything They have showers, they have free food, they have gaming, they have everything mm -hmm. they need at the Google. That's crazy. It's basically the military. It, it is. It is. And you're a military man, right? Yes, Okay. I am. So exactly. Like, and, and that's the other thing that I think people don't realize. It. Like, I even considered it, you know, going out to New York, you know, and, and then you start thinking in the, your brain about like, you know, the rent in New York and this and that, wherever you're going, even if you go out to Cali. It, but at the end of the day, they don't realize just that, just like what, you know, in service, when you were in service, I, I don't know too much, 
but I know a good amount. You know, you obviously get your base pay, and then mm -hmm. if you go to combat, you go combat pay. Mm -hmm. But housing, food, everything, everything you need is taken care of. So like working at Google, and then like yeah, you want to have some dinky little room in some lady's five star house be for five hundred bucks a month or a thousand, go for it because you're saving so much. A, a lot, especially if you're single. And oh, you're an up and coming, and and you went from um, a junior to a mid tier developer mm -hmm. there, or even their administrators. Oh yeah, these guys are hyper hyper intelligent. Yeah, um, it, it's just it's just a different just a different world. Um, and and you working at IBM, I assume another like giant. They've been around since what they they made some of the first computers. Yeah. They made some of the first motherboards. They they. Yeah. 1990-ish, give or take, I think, we, when we started. Yeah. They, um, the company itself, yeah. yeah. It, it, You guys have been around. You guys are a giant in the mm -hmm. world. I don't think there's any tech guy walking on this planet and, and people in general yeah. who don't know the name IBM. Yeah. So I, just talking to you, I'm just like graced. Like, okay, I got a, <sighs> got a, a, a senior engineer from IBM here. That's pretty cool. Well, I appreciate that. But honestly, it, it was it was even more for me. Like, um, I remember, so the way I started, I started with a company called Fiberlink, mm -hmm. right? So they're the ones that made the product Mass360, the MDM, that later, a year later, actually, IBM bought. And the funny thing is that, like, I got that same reaction, man. When we were sitting there and they were like, guys, we got an announcement for you. IBM just bought us. And here I am, like a young engineer. I had done my own MSP thing for mm -hmm. quite a few years. This was my first real dive into corporate because I, again, decided early on, I was like, I'm going to make my own money. I'm going to do it for myself, set mm -hmm. my hours and not become the robot that corporate turns you into. But I got so excited that day. It, it wasn't even about money. It wasn't. I was like, I work for IBM. What? Like, it's IBM, <laughs> man. Like, you might as well call it Apple or Hewlett Packard. So it, it mean, was really exciting. It, it is basically. That's literally yeah. on the tier of Apple or Microsoft Apple. or like this is a huge, um, a huge company with a lot of hyper intelligent people. Yeah. They would not have been able to survive Microsoft and Apple if there weren't a lot of the no. the people that are just super amazing at that company they got they got a lot of chances and, and don't get me wrong i think ibm's doing a lot of great work in in one way or another um they got to survive a lot of things where other companies wouldn't um you know right in the 80s uh, obviously we were big in ibm pc everything else but then when we sold our ipc division uh, lenovo mm -hmm. um then you know you, we kind of had to pivot so ibm has stayed so long because they stayed relevant in some way um, and I think that's kind of like their their go to thing is like make sure that we always stay here as IBM, the IBM that people knew in the 1900s. And now, granted, not the same here today, yeah. but it, it the same but improved. Um, and so overall, when I when I got that news, I was just like, man, this is. And, and, and to your point, like the people we have, that's the thing. Like I, I won't even talk about the name. It's distinguished engineers that we have, patent holders. We have, I think, the largest amount of patent holders in I any mean, company. You guys are the ones who. Um created the uh the eight bit registers i believe for, so. for the cpus yeah I believe so. the, before that i think it was like five bit registers yeah. until ibm came around and yeah. they standardized it for all computers i believe it was the upc barcode too we yeah did the, that as yeah well. yeah yep um a few other things too there's just quite a few patents that came out of us yeah um, they they basically standardized computing for yeah the entire world <laughs> i would say so yeah and, and it's it's wild because you walk through the halls of of at least my building. now granted my building is kind of a subset building it's mm. not like Armonk, New York, but you walk through the halls and like you almost want to feel this stuff. You want to uh, kind of feel the echoes of what people have done there. Mm -hmm. um, because to me, that's the most amazing part. I mean, to be walking among um, a company who 
you know, 40 years ago was part of the standardization that became the internet. Yes. Um, that in itself, you know, like it was IBM, it was U University of Berkeley, it was a few different players. And, and like every time you go back to thinking about something that we take for granted every day, IBM was there somehow, which is, that's the fun part for me. It's like, oh, they were involved in that. Oh, man. Of course they were. <laughs> of course they were. Don't you have any, uh, uh, key players that work for IBM now, I think, uh, I forget the guy's name who created C code. Uh, uh that's an embarrassment for me. Sorry guys. Um, <laughs> doesn't he work for IBM today? Uh, he might be, I think he became an IBM engineer. He, he, so I think he developed C while at Bell Labs with AT&T. Okay. I think that's where it was. Um, but I think he might be among our ranks now. Yeah. I could very well see a lot of, a lot of people who were at like Bell Labs, who were at all those places, like later on, either came to IBM, came to HP, went to Dell, something. They did something cool there. Mm. That's pretty cool, man. So yeah. next question. Yes. When it comes to security, in your experience, how would you go about securing infrastructure that has migrated out into the cloud? And are these cloud providers offering the security that we believe they are? And I, I feel like that's such <laughs> a huge like question that it a is. lot of administrators have in the back of their head. Like when I move my infrastructure out into the cloud um, and you being a solutions architect, mm -hmm. you probably have oh, a lot to say about this. But when I move my stuff into the cloud, is it as secure as um, the, the cloud providers say it is? And I know we spoke about it a little mm -hmm. bit um, uh, like a week ago, but yeah, um, I think it's even more right. And so I, this is going to be a multi-part uh, answer. So basically, it, I'll get to the the, the former question mm. last. Um, so can we trust it? Is it really as secure as it is? Yeah, I would say so. And, and there's a reason for it. And I think it's a very compelling reason. Um, what is the biggest thing that you as a person, as well as a business, doesn't want to lose? Money, mm. right? We cannot lose our customers. We cannot lose our income. We can't lose money. And so while people are understandable to worry about cloud performers uh, or cloud providers not being secure, they have the biggest incentive of them all. So take, for example, a hospital, right? A small hospital, maybe in a town like Allentown here, like St. Luke's. Mm -hmm. In that situation, you know, if you're hosting everything on premises, it is up to that team, IT security, uh, you know, IT system admin, whoever is involved, you know, obviously there's a few people to keep that all secure. And you've already seen what kind of mess that is. Horrible. It, it's insanity. And they try their hardest. And then they, on top of it, they have HIP compliance and everything else that they've got to deal with. Sometimes I, I, I've, I've ran into people where it's not the administrator, more so that it is the company that's mm -hmm. like tying their hands behind their back. Oh, exactly. Hey, we love our old shit that's working. Yeah. Let's keep it working. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, which yeah. is, it's, it's kind of a, a misconception in the IT world because it's like, it ain't work. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, mm. in the IT world, because it's working doesn't mean it's not broken. Yeah. And, and the other thing too is like, think about that in relation to like um, the power infrastructure, right? Electrical infrastructure in the United States. Like, mm. is that going to apply there? You know, like if it's not broke, don't fix it. Then we'll have a horrible system. That's why you keep upgrading. Mm -hmm. um, and so to that point, like cloud providers are even more incentivized to keep your data safe. Why? Because mm. their reputation and everything they do is on the line. I mean, imagine tomorrow Amazon AWS, right? Like they have a massive breach where one of their clusters, something just gets completely destroyed or more importantly is compromised in some way. And then data is stolen. How many people would trust them? after that i don't that no one now they're big enough to keep on going right like you know when you're amazon when you're a company like even ibm with soft layer like you'll recover from that people will regain their trust but 
the incentive there is to keep my network at my company taken care of, I have a high incentive. It's my job, but I can only do so much because like you said, hands are tied. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I go to the cloud provider and I give them my data, they are basically solemnly swearing on paper that they are responsible for the security of this data. Mm. And so they are going to be very, now, again, I, I will say exceptions, right? Some cloud providers will not care. But most of them, I would say, are more than incentivized to keep your data safe at all costs. Um, and really, they don't have to worry about operations. They don't have to worry about anything else other than that specific job, which is providing a service with the highest availability security that we can. Mm -hmm. So where a company is focusing on uh, whether this PDF will be compatible or this person doesn't like how their email loads and they have all these other little issues that they get overloaded with, the cloud provider is just focusing on one thing, that mm -hmm. service. And so when you migrate over, I, I'd put money on AWS not getting hacked before I would, right? As a company, at least. Mm, that's an interesting perspective. Mm. I, think, I think it makes sense, though. I hope so. <laughs> I could be wrong. I mean, when you break it down, it makes sense. I mean, when you think about the world today, you think about um, uh, ran things like ransomware and things like uh, the malware that we're seeing today with the uh, uh, there's the they have these bots now. Uh, damn, I forget oh, the, what they're called. Bitcoin miners. The Bitcoin miners. Yeah. Um, people are like probably thinking that I'm going to start um, creating these things because. These things are so cool, mm -hmm. right? And I always big them up because I think I'm like, damn, that was a great, that's yeah, a, it was just a great, great fucking idea. Especially where, the price of Bitcoin right now. <laughs> um, I have a, I have a guy. Um, uh, he's one of my friends. He, uh, he does vulnerability assessments for the state of New York, mm -hmm. and uh, one of the, one of the places, one of the government uh, networks that he was on, he found, uh, uh, two attackers on the box. And one was mm. a Bitcoin miner and the other one was all random, like script kitty. And they were both like the the Bitcoin miners, which is cool ab about what they do. I mean, I mean, obviously they're stealing like what they're stealing from you is CPU usage, mm. yeah. right? They're stealing electricity like cents per month, um, which is theft still. Yeah. But it, it's still like like I'm not I don't want to steal your information. I just need some power. It's the um, lesser of evils, I would say. And what they'll do is they'll break into your network and they'll actually patch Mm -hmm. your machine so other people can't break into your network so that they could exploit and be the sole usage of all of the oh, yeah si like they want all of the cycles for themselves when you're not using it i kind of like it actually so they do they, they they even do some analytics they know when you're on mm -hmm. um and they won't spike the cpu when you're on um, when you're off the computer that's when they're using your computer in the background so like um I know uh, they they've hit like some major organizations, oh, yeah. some major enterprises where like you won't be sitting at your computer, but the fan is just going mm -hmm. crazy, it's screaming because the Bitcoin miner is like actually running on. while you're while you're logged out. It's it's super super yeah. cool. Um, it's, it's a really good idea that they came up with. I, um, I mean, it's but ethical black hat hacking basically in a way. Somewhat, <laughs> somewhat. It's just it's like I I don't really want to harm you. Yeah. I just kind of want to steal your your resources a little bit. I need I need some of your RAM and some of your CPU. But to that point, um, there are bugs out there. There are some unknown unknowns, mm -hmm. and there are bugs out there that these guys are using to exploit these networks. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, cloud providers like Google and Amazon, AWS, they can't be expected to know every bug in the world. No. So, I I I trust them mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah. Um. And we can't, what I would say is you can't fault them for a zero day attack that no, no one in the world could have foreseen. No. Um, 
and they do try really hard. I've just migrated one of my websites um, into the Google Cloud. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge Google fanboy, yeah. and they have a firewall set up. You can set up a machine, do OpenVPN. Um, it's going to connect back to my router, so yeah. it's going to be as if it's on my network. So I can um, use DevOps to kind of like automate and spin up machines that's on Google Cloud. They even have a, a client. Yeah. It's called a G G Cloud or something like that, a command line Linux client. Something like that. We yeah. could do G Cloud um, deploy, mm -hmm. and it'll take the G Cloud YAML and actually deploy um, your applications to the cloud um, mm -hmm. from your machine. Which is super, uh, super cool. So yeah, I wouldn't fault them, but I know that there are a lot of people out there who are kind of hesitant to move to the cloud because they're afraid. And you know, the majority of the time when pe these people get hacked, um, it's to their own fault sometimes. Yeah, it's like you didn't patch your software and you were pointing it towards the internet, mm -hmm. and it got attacked. And you can't blame Google for that. Right. You can't blame AWS for that. Um, so, um, yeah, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, in, in, at the end of the day, I, I, so here's the thing. One of the things I've tried to do is you have to blend psychology with tech, right? Mm -hmm. You can't be an in information security without, at least to my opinion, understanding how the human works. Right. Um, because let's be honest, right. If, if humans were perfect and didn't make mistakes, they wouldn't need information security people. That is or, true. <laughs> or it, maybe they would need it, but not to the extent. Um, and so they have to understand how it's going to work, right? What motivates an attacker? Um, you know, a lot of people always worry about, oh, you know, somebody's going to hack my phone. It's like, look, nobody wants your pictures unless you're a delegate or yeah. a prime minister or something important. Nobody wants your stuff. In this case, people want your stuff. So in, 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 in like I say, like going back, I think the biggest thing, let's, let's go above and beyond the incentives that comes with that psychology I'm talking about, that the company is incentivized, obviously. To keep your data safe, otherwise they're screwed, mm -hmm. they're fucked. Um, it also goes above and beyond. It goes to scale. It goes to buying power, where you as a company are focused on, you know, paper sales, right? Let's say Dunder Mifflin, right? The Office. If you watch that, I don't the watch greatest it at all, show ever. You do? Okay, yeah. Better I, than Friends. I didn't get fully into it, but like, I love, I love the humor. I love the Office humor. Um, and so, like, you think about that, right? Like, it's a paper company. What are they focused on? Paper, mm -hmm. right? Their IT team is the one focused on security operations and making sure everything keeps working. But what budget do they have? What, what can they put in a world-class IPS, you know, an intrusion protection system? Can they actually set up honeypots? They don't have this kind of budget. Mm -hmm. Whereas Google, IBM, you know, even um, Amazon themselves with their cloud solutions, absolutely. Their networks are layers upon layers of security. And so, whereas, you know, me attacking you know, the paper company or the local hospital is as simple as finding a vulnerable computer. When I'm sitting at my desk having to go to a cloud provider and attack them, if that vector isn't available, if there isn't a client I could get to, how, how much work am I going to have to do? A lot. And, and in some ways, what you're explaining, um, it just kind of makes more sense for those smaller companies to actually move into the cloud. It's just yeah. expensive sometimes. It is. Uh, depending on what you're moving into it. Like, I, if it were me, and this is kind of what I'm planning on doing, I just move my DMZ into the cloud. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, that that's the only thing that need kind of really needs to touch the internet. Yeah. Um. So for updates and anything, I'll just like pull the patches or updates that I need through VPN or something like that down. There's just no point anymore. Like, so don't get me wrong, right? Like, I love the idea of bare metal. I have a rack in my house, like we were saying, you know, mm -hmm. like, well, starting to have a rack in my house. And that's great and all, but it's like, yeah, electrical costs, wire goes out, you know, cable modem goes out, your upload isn't good enough. Like there's, these are just the issues I come across with a simple home lab. 
And then you have an enterprise company that is going to have a million more issues. So realistically, it's just not worth company's time. It's not worth company's time to actually go and we got a guest. Go by. Uh, <laughs> it's not worth the company's time to actually like spend that much on it. Right. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I mean, think about it. Like if, if you're talking, hey, I'm let, let's let's rebuild our infrastructure. Let's put in some better security measures in here. So, you know, obviously intrusion detection, um, maybe some SCIM, you know, so you can monitor all of your systems, things like that. It's a very expensive bill. Mm-hmm. Very expensive. And so how can you like I, I think at that point, it's better for a company to move off of what they have. You know, they're looking at 10, 20 grand just to update their infrastructure. And I'm talking a small office, really, whereas they can go to AWS and pay what, 50 bucks, 100 bucks a month. And they scale their machines. So one day where business is really high, they need more CPUs. They got mm-hmm. it. So I think that nobody just, just nobody wants to deal with the, the, the infrastructure anymore. Right. And, and why not put it on someone else? It's their job. And they guarantee me with an SLA. They give me 99.9, percent mm-hmm. uptime. I mean, can you guarantee that yourself? I guess is the thing. Uh, I, I can't. Um, <laughs> I have a business line coming in, yeah. Verizon, and I'm only getting a gigabyte. Down. I'm, I'm a small business. Yeah, so, of course. Um, I'm only getting a gigabyte down and up. But um, Google's offering me 2.5. Oh, through Fi or Google Fiber or whatever it is in the cloud, just two point five gigabytes. Oh, you down mean through, to the, the, yeah. through the the Google Cloud for service? Um, I could I could you can bring that up. I could bring it down. Um, I think it right now for the machine that I have up, it's like fifty dollars a, a month for hmm. um my my website. Yeah. Um, and that's completely automated through DevOps, right? Yeah. So like anytime I upload or I upload or push it to Git, it'll redeploy. Yeah. And, it, it's perfectly fine, and it's it, it's not that much money to be honest with you. It's not. Um, I mean, and and for the, uh, what you're really paying for is the reliability. Yeah. Um. What I was skeptical, uh, skeptical about, and I I was too, uh, was the security. Mm-hmm. Um. But when I did go on, I found out that they give you a firewall, mm-hmm. so they give you like a whole networking stack to work with. Yeah. Um, which is like amazing. Oh, yeah. um, they give you a firewall. You can set your own firewall wo- rules. Mm-hmm. So like, they do secure you pretty well. Yeah. They give you the tool sets that you need to secure yourself. I guess I would say. Yeah. So if you got attacked or you got hacked, it was probably something that you did. Um, it's you a model that we do in our company too. It's just like it's not us. Pr- probably you. Like yeah, it more than likely is you. <laughs> yeah. It it and like and like you were saying about human nature. Um, People are just prone to mistakes. It's just <laughs> we are, and, and and I think there's a there's an ongoing battle between two forces, right? You've got senior management, which again, you know, thumbs up to C level executives, but you've got senior management, boards of directors, the trust, whoever it may be. Mm-hmm. You've got those people riding on business results and how much is it going to cost and everything else. Whereas you've got the tech people actually on the side of this is the security we need. We have this problem. We need to fix it. So while you've got tech who is problem solvers, you've got the leaders who are, you know, business advancers. Let's call it. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's that disconnect. And and so I think at the end of the day, it's going to take a while before you ever get that aligned, if you do at all. So one way or another, you're always going to be a little inefficient. You're going to be a little bit more vulnerable. You're going to be a little bit slower. But it's those who make the right decisions that will obviously survive the pack. I um, guess. I guess the goal. Or um, um, the outcome. What I'm trying to say mm-hmm. in the end yeah. is uh, 
um, and this is kind of why I wanted to, I wanted you to clarify yes. the question. Um, I just kind of wanted to clarify uh, why the cloud is important and why not to be afraid of it. Yeah. Because like you said, these companies are incentivized yeah. to protect your data. I mean, that's literally their number one job is to protect your data so they can get more business yeah. into their cloud infrastructure. So, um, yeah, guys. Don't be afraid to move your shit in the cloud. No. <laughs> I mean, as a wrapping up statement on that, I think it's fair to say it this way, right? Yes, you should have concerns in a way. I don't think they're security concerns. They're mm. privacy concerns, mm. right? That's, I, I think, especially if, maybe if we take this out of business, absolutely. But there's that misconception, security equals privacy. No, two totally different things. Mm. How they take care of your data versus how they use it is very different so i think that people are simply mixing up those two even businesses i think that's true yet why do people hesitate going to the cloud not so much security it's privacy where will it sit what legislation is my data sitting under is mm. it in mexico is it in you know uh, london is it in the netherlands or is it here right in america so that's the biggest thing i hear at you know when they see that we're a cloud solution they're like where's my data and how are you handling it? So they don't have the time, the, the questions they ask, and this is probably a bad thing. They don't ask a lot about security. They'll ask about what we're compliant with, right? You know, and we'll be like, oh, yeah, we're CSA. You so know. For, from our business perspective, it's more legal. It's, it's more privacy and legal. Like They're more concerned about where the data is and how it's accessed versus asking the questions. Now, they do ask. Some, many do. But I get more questions about the privacy of the data than the security of it. Mm. So I think that's where a lot of that push to the cloud is is it, people are feeling weird. Businesses are feeling weird because they're thinking, oh, somebody else has my data. It can be exposed. If it's not in America, who knows what legal process I have to take to get it or to stop something. Those are the real concerns, I think. I, I think once you look past that, as long as you're not maybe something big that's working government, that's working something top secret, then maybe it should stay in house, right? So I, I never even thought about it that way in regards to um, the privacy side mm -hmm. of it. Um, uh, the legal the legal side of anything that I do never, uh, it, it completely eludes me. Um, I can imagine. So I have to ask a lot yeah. um, because I, I don't even want to dive into that world. Uh, the legal portions of, the legal ramifications of anything that you do in the tech industry is just, it's crazy. And a lot of it, too, is uh, people just don't understand how this stuff works. So even when you try to explain yeah. how something works in layman's terms, it still kind of uh, gets misinterpreted in a way. Um, and you see that with um, Zuckerberg on Capitol Hill. You see that with Google CEO on Capitol Hill. You see that yeah. like um, people just don't understand how the processes work. Um so the legal side actually so like wh what we're starting to do now especially in the military we're starting to have like cyber lawyers mm, yeah. stuff like that so people who understand the technology and then can translate that into to the, 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 the legal and the business side of things um because like i can go to a lawyer right now and, and that's one thing i have to do with my business i have to go speak to a lawyer to to kind of write up these contracts for what we're talking about privacy mm -hmm. i don't want to touch any private um, data on the network i don't want to um, I don't want to be sued for something yeah. because it, it'll end you because it's misinterpreted <laughs> from what I'm doing. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, that's a good point you bring up though, uh, with Capitol Hill, Facebook, uh, the Google CEO, that was nauseating for me to see that it's, it's hard. It's just looking, just watching that and, and to hear some of the questions because they don't, um, under, 
really understand how the thing work. And uh, um, the most recent thing in news, um, not super recent, I think it was like uh, three or four weeks ago, Tulsi Gabbard mm. is like suing Google mm-hmm. because she's saying that uh, they uh, they basically held back her campaign somehow using Google. Like they stifled her. Yeah. And and I'm just like, uh, maybe you just weren't as popular with the people. So you didn't yeah. hit as many Google searches. Like Google has all these type of analytics. You can actually mm-hmm. pull up the analytics of the searches. Yeah. Right? Like you could you could pull up these analytics and, and it'll tell you how many people have been searching for your name and Yeah. So I it, it, things like that, people just don't understand the processes. It gets misconstrued and then it turns into a lawsuit. And <laughs> yeah. And I think it's it's really bad for society. And, and I can get really philosophical on this one because at, at the end of the day, I and the first thing I want to say is that I, no question is a stupid question, in my opinion. Right. Mm-hmm. The pursuit of knowledge is one of the most important and freeing things that a human being will do. Um, so even if you ask a dumb question like or not a dumb question, but what we would call dumb, it's not. What the thing is, it's like you said, misguided questions. The questions that they were asking on Capitol Hill, it was an embarrassment. Like it was a complete and utter like I expected. Let me say it this way. If they had simply writ, read a 10 minute wiki page on how Facebook works or just one Google search and read through an article, they wouldn't have asked half of those questions. And I think that's part of the problem because they don't even understand how a Google search works. Yeah. Like some some of them. You could probably some of them probably aren't on Facebook or some of them are on Facebook or social media general mm. and their grandkids are doing the page and uploading yeah. the pictures and, and doing the things for them because then they're just super computer illiterate. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, um, not to be too political, but um, be, nowadays and, you know, it's about to be 2020 around the corner. Yeah. Um, and, and I hate the fact that. We always notate, like, we always note the year, like, yeah. hey, it's it's 2019. It's just like, yeah, and in 50 years. What does it all matter? <laughs> it'll be 2069. Like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. No. So, um, uh, yeah, it doesn't, It, but I just did it. But, yeah, so, like, um, what I want to say is now, in this day and age, I think it's important to be somewhat computer literate. Oh, God. Uh, especially in a politician or, um to be some sort of politician or some type of uh, voted in official um, to have a team of people who can, who understands this yeah. stuff, who can explain it to you before you even come up. Like to have a question. Um, I think one of the officials, one of the senators, he said, uh, he, first of all, he lifted up an iPhone and said, can Google, if, if I move from this side of the room to another, does Google know that I moved? And the CEO is correct when he said, it depends. Like, First of all, you have an iPhone. It's a very loaded question, <laughs> right? It's it's first of all, you have an iPhone. Mm-hmm. It depends if you opted in or out, and it stops them. No, 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 no. I answer my question. Yeah, yeah. Do you know if I and it's like, well, a base iPhone doesn't have Google products installed, like some, but it's very minimal. Yeah, right. It's not coming with Google Chrome. It's not coming with yeah. Google products they installed must on an the, Apple product. They must have missed the rivalry there somehow. I don't know. I, they they and, became best of friends overnight. And these are things that eludes our politicians, mm-hmm. and then they make these laws that don't make any sense. Um, I think North Carolina, uh, we have a base out there, mm-hmm. um, home of the cybersecurity. Our cybersecurity like okay. um, headquarters mm-hmm. in the military is is down south right now in a in a state in a, um, 
I don't want to speak too much yeah, about yeah, it, but <laughs> um, it, it's in a state down south. In, a, in, in that state, um, they're trying to push laws to say certain softwares to be illegal. Right. They're trying to ban certain things. And just because they don't really understand how the thing works and because they this software is associated with hacking or being able to do, I don't know. It, no. It's just it's just weird living in the world where people just don't under like everyone uses it. Yeah, everyone has a phone. Oh God, yeah. No one knows how it works. No, it, it's 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 almost like ignorance is bliss. I, I I don't know if it's a fear of understanding the technology, if it's a fear of uh, uncovering the truth of like how it works or what it does. Um, this is a very big problem, and it's going to be a very big problem for the next hundred years. This. The revolution of the internet, and, and I'm forget the internet, computing, right? The transistor. Mm. What has happened in the last 40, 50 years has been more significant, in my opinion, than even the Iron Age itself. Now, granted, it all trickles. It leads to one another. But think about it. What we accomplished in 40 years alone, the exponential rate of like what we figured out going from a crappy transistor that you know we used in 19... I don't even think it was a transistor at that point, but 1969... No, there were, there were no transistors. Yeah. Yeah. 1969, we send a, you know, a, a spaceship up to the moon you know, using, I think it, it was like 14 kilobytes of space or something like that. I or think RAM. the processing power that sent the uh, Apollo to the moon Correct. was uh, equivalent to the processing power in a happy birthday card that the when you yeah. open the card up it sings it like just, that's the same amount of processing power it absolutely that is. took us to the moon yeah and so this is the most significant time and in the internet is almost like i'm going to compare it to gasoline right it's mm. one of those things that you discovered it wow it's so amazing it's going to stick around for a long while until something better is around but it's kind of hard to replace it because the internet is going to supply so many things the internet itself e-commerce in itself but then also every other part of what we do you know even if it's not on the internet just a network here in your house of iot things all these little things matter so in the next 50 to 100 years people need to understand that you have to have a basis of this understanding i'm not saying they need to understand the tcp ip stack or anything like that but you at least need to have the understanding it's like your car. You know how it goes, right? It has a motor. It blows up in there inside of a cylinder. It's got a transmission. It's got a gas pedal. You have a basic, at least, very basic understanding of how it works. The internet, I think people could literally like oh, imagine it's, it's magic. It's mystified. It's just the cloud. Yeah, it's the cloud. In, in that word in itself, even like, you know, I know it's a big topic of ours, but it's like the cloud was really just like, it wasn't a... It wasn't a, a pro, it, it wasn't a different era. It was just a process change. Instead of putting it there, you put it here. You do it this way. I so. think it's kind of our fault too, yeah. um, that it's still kind of a mystified thing. Um, we, yes. uh, in this a, computer scientists in this IT world, um, computer scientists are very matter of fact. Yes. They're very exact. We're very jargon related. Like we like to specify things exactly what they are, and I think we scare people away. Yeah. from the actual field. Um, but it's not that we do it um, to scare people. It's because we do it because it matters. Mm -hmm. um, in computer science, things, <laughs> a lot of these things matter. For a CPU to work, um, right, like uh, the silicone pathways on a CPU processor, like it's so small, it's getting to atomic level. I mean, yeah. Like there, there are certain things, you need to be very, 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 very precise when you're building a CPU. Not only that, Right, because e even after CPU is built, I think it's still like only like eighty five percent efficient or something like that, which is why they have like error correcting mm -hmm. memory. I mean, uh, CP uh, error correcting um, caches or whatever they like have on the CPUs and stuff like that. Um, so like, 
you have to be very exact in this field. You have to be very matter of fact when you're dealing yeah. with this field. If you want point A to point to talk, um, point B, um, there are certain parameters you have to pass both sides to make yeah. it work. So it's not that we're trying to scare people away. It's because it is kind of a field of a matter of fact. But I think we do need to come up with a way to gracefully um, teach, teach people and pull yeah. people into the field to kind of um, um, to 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 put it out in an unscary way. Yeah. Um, so that normal people can like regurgitate the information. That that would probably be one of the best things we can do right now. Um, people people are not thinking in technical terms, and that's fine. Yeah, I don't expect them to. They have mm -hmm. their own lives and, and wants and matters to live. But when they adopted something, I mean, you know, it's funny. Elon Musk basically said it right. You are a cyborg at this point. Basically, right? you have your phone attached to your hip everywhere you yeah. go. People so. think an inter interface is only USB, Thunderbolt, DisplayPort, you know, uh, Ethernet. No, an interface is an interface, mm -hmm. one to another. So we're already there in that point. And even older people like my mother, for example, who's, you know, she she's not like super old, but she's in the 50s. But at, at the end of the day, you know, she knows how to use technology pretty well. But still, she doesn't realize the extension that this device is of her. You know, and, and that's just a small percentage compared to like a young 16 year old today. So if, if you're going to create these relationships with machines, you need to understand them. And, and, and maybe that's too philosophical. But at the end, of I the don't day, think it's too philosophical at all. I think it's I think it's just where we are at today. I think it's where we're at. I think everything is rent your fridge. Like you can go to Best Buy right now. Yeah. And your fridge is, is an IOT device. Now. It is right. Um, this is kind of what I want to do in my business. I want to automate all home things. I want to, I want, I want you to be as connected to your house and yeah. the things in your house. I want you to be as con in control of the things in your house as you are with your phone. Yeah. Right. You're, you, I, I want to bring that interface to your phone, to all of the things in your house. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's just where we're at today where yeah. you can do that now. Right. Like we have the technology, we have the devices where um and, and and we're and that's how we're building things now oh yeah everything's automated everything is like we're i mean i don't i don't feel bad about this i kind of do feel bad about this because it's kind of my job but like we, we're automating industries out of business now when one industry dies another one is created so you just got to be flexible and yes be able to jump into that new role but like we are in a place today where uh, automation, software, machines are an everyday part of your they life, are. and we, we we as a people need to start accepting this, mm -hmm. um, and we need to start actually learning about it. There needs to be some sort of mandatory classes in high school already. There should be. Like I don't know if there is. Hey Lorenzo, uh, are, are there any mandatory classes in high school for computer science? Okay. So like word so and basic processing. Yeah. But yeah. They really should though. It, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go in and play on the selfish role of humans, right? Which mm. is forget, forget knowledge, forget understanding the world around you. Let's, let's focus on a very selfish, just it's for me. Mm -hmm. The understanding of technology should be paramount considering that you're walking around with bank accounts in your phone. <laughs> that you know like think about it um one you know so one of the biggest changes that a lot of people a lot of companies started to make now are like 15 16 par character password requirements for enterprise right like when you're yeah. an employee uh, maybe you guys maybe use smart card stuff like that whatever you know what people are doing instead so you you increase the requirement 
to 15 characters, make it, you know, alphanumeric, has a special character, everything else. What do people do? They write it down instead. So now it got so long that they can't remember or they don't want to remember it. Let me not say can't. They can. They don't want to. They write it down. Just completely blow away 15 characters. Who cares? Now you made it even easier. At eight characters, it was, you know, you would make it something easy to remember. Now you're just writing it down. So these are the problems that people should understand. Like, get selfish about it then. Take it into your own hands only because you want to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Whatever it takes to get you there, you need to understand how these things are working around you. Because to you, what you're saying, like, uh, this is another thing, like, uh, industry is crashing. Well, that's life. I'm sorry, but like 200 years ago, blacksmiths were probably the leaders of the free world. And now it's left to some guys who want swords. Yeah. You know, times change and you've got to move with them. And just like this, the time changed and you need to move with it. Otherwise, you're going to be the guy who constantly gets hacked or has their credit card information stolen or has their pictures dumped of their wife or whatever it may be. And then you're going to be blaming the technology, whereas in reality, it kind of comes down to you, right? So, uh, you know, I, I really hope that we start taking more seriousness. And, and even beyond that, I'm going to get philosophical because I think this is important to say. I think the human race in general, and especially in this country, and I hate to isolate it, but we're doing some really... We're in a weird place right now. We're in a weird place. I would say that. <laughs> this place is wild right now. Um, I would say that. I would totally agree with that. It's like the things that we're believing and the things that we're holding as important. Like, no, people. No, you've got it all backwards. Like, we like think think about a thousand years from now. What will the human race be? Will we be a bunch of people worried about, and again, not to offend anybody, but worried about religions and who's better, worrying about races and who's better, worrying about who has more money and who doesn't? No, we'll have bigger issues than that. We'll have intellectual issues to figure out. Mm -hmm. These are petty issues of today's people. And so I really hope that those who are left, and, and again, not to say anything about people who aren't as intelligent or as privileged, but it's just like any way you can learn about this world around you, learn about this new system, because not only can it lead to a job for you, right? But you'll be that much more in connect with the world around you if you just get it. If you take a moment to, to absorb some knowledge and nobody wants to learn anymore. That's one th That's one reason why I fell in love with networking. Um, now, I, I, you know, as everyone knows, I'm in love with um, development. I'm in love with automation. Yes. I'm in love with programming. But my first love um, coming into the IT world was networking. It was never like systems administration, like working with ADs and yeah. it was never that it was networking. It was the pathways. It was the routers and the switches. It was the pathways where um, it was, it was the things that we created to connect point A to point B, mm -hmm. right? To New York, to Japan like that. That is what interests me. And, and this is what we have going on right now. We we're in the world where we can get information so fast from point A to point B and, and it's pretty insecure. And, and we're living in the world where we're storing on our data on our phones. We're paying our bills mm -hmm. on our cell phones. Um, the, the sales of laptops have went down. Yeah. Because of uh, the, the rise of people using mobile phones. And we, you go back to Elon, what, uh, what you said about Elon Musk talking mm -hmm. about the interface. We basically are cyborgs, right? Yeah. Uh, you got to pay a bill. You pick it up. You, there's an app for it. I have an app for every bill that I need to pay on my phone where I can monitor things. I still like to play on a computer. Yeah. Um, I have like an Excel spreadsheet that I use and stuff like that. Um, so even that's getting old school, right? Yeah, it is. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, which kind of leads me to my next question. When we're talking about mobile. Yeah. Um, you are currently uh, working on a design for an architecture that allows phones onto the network. Uh, what does that process look like? And how would we secure something like this? When we're talking about phones, uh, like connected to your 
um, your physical business network, your enterprise yeah. network. Like, what does that even look like? Um, so it's actually quite interesting. So, um, you know, obviously for everyone listening, so within IBM, Mass360 is what I do. So that's enterprise mobility. So mm-hmm. exactly down this way. Um, it, it's quite interesting how they're doing it. It's, it hasn't changed much. It's VPNs and proxies, right? Okay. It's, it's a lot of the same old stuff. Um, so you're talking Cisco AnyConnect. We, we even have our own VPN, um, you know, obviously Palo Alto, Aruba, all that stuff. It has changed quite a bit, though, because you're right. Now you've got these walking endpoints with, with data on them, mm-hmm. right? And so there, there's there been kind of a, believe it or not, like it seems like the focus has been even more on the client side because that's what you really need to be careful of. Um, so containerization is one big thing. Huge. Uh, yeah. So encrypted containers. Um, the OSs themselves are starting to do it. Android, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar, Android has something called Android Enterprise which basically can be set up in two modes, a corporate mode where it actually unifies the phone, uh, Android 6.0 and up, they're all behaving the same way. All the same features are available, whether you've got a Huawei, a Samsung, an LG. Mm. Uh, then they have another mode that's called, uh, well, it's just really PO mode is what they call it, profile owner mode. It creates a separate logical container for your corporate data so you can have your Android phone as is with your Play Store, but then there's a second Chrome with a nice little orange briefcase on it, mm. or there's a second Word, or there's a second Play Store, and those that interaction is controlled. So really, we're seeing that like we're having to protect the endpoints more than the routes back to the network because those still stayed VPNs. And obviously there's some interesting stuff in there. Cert authentication. Um, you authenticate with certificates. Mm-hmm. Um, check a few other things as well. You, could, you, you could throw that in a container as well yeah. as it comes up. You could, And we um, do. So, it, I, oh my God. Oh, it gets wild, dude, the things we're doing now. You blew my mind, bro. <laughs> I didn't know that you guys were like at that point where... Oh, yeah. So I think a lot of people don't understand that a phone is running an operating system mm-hmm. just like anything else. I think um, uh, iOS is running free... Uh, they're running BSD yeah, basically under the hood. Um, and I think Chrome, uh, the uh, Android applications are running a version of Linux... Well, yeah, the Android, the Android, uh, the Android kernel itself is Linux based. Yeah. It, it all is pretty much Linux based. It's just, um, you know, customized, <laughs> really. Customized, yeah. I know Google like did some heavy customizations yeah. to the operating system, but the kernel itself, I believe, is still Linux. Yeah, which I also think they modified um, oh, they, they for their should. usage as well. Yeah, you but, can't just use a standard Linux. Yeah, I never even thought about it that way. Like, why not deploy our apps as a container? Mm-hmm. And you could. Yeah, you could. I could throw certificates. I could throw environment variables. I could do a lot of stuff to protect the actual application to where it's contained um, inside of this this other container, which has a direct connection back to my network. That is fucking genius, right? It's getting it's getting there, <laughs> and and like some of them are doing it at the network stack where it is just like a VPN, you know, iOS and Android VPNs. It, 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 mm. They do what's called per app VPN, where it's like you call the app, this, you open this app, we know you want to use the VPN or should, and it calls it. Um, but yeah, there even are solutions where people are taking proxies, like reverse proxies, and customizing them to the point where they're they're SDK driven, right? So oh like, my goodness. our containers like that, right? So like, we have an SDK that like. We, we have a proxy that we built ourselves, which functionally, in a way, it's a lot like any other proxy, but mm-hmm. with added layers. And so, yeah, like at that point, only our container, um, our specific apps, or if you wrap, uh, like like wrapping, like actually inject our code into your app, can you use it? So you're starting to get to stuff like that. 
but the security back to the network is still a lot the same. It's all about the endpoint now. That's super interesting. Yeah. Do you guys have any specific uh, uh, personal security appliances that you put on it, like a McAfee or like a like an AV that you push on the uh, Android phones? Because I know, like, um, I did some work a while back mm -hmm. um, on these phones, and the funny thing about pushing like um, an AV on a phone mm -hmm. uh, and you execute it, uh, who has root? Right on your Android phone, um, you don't. And that application doesn't either. No. Um, Google has root. Yeah. Uh, so when an application or antivirus finds some malware or something like that, if it does, if yeah. it even does, if it even has the rights to do the things that it needs to do as an AV proper. Yes. Um, if it finds something, does it have the, does it even have the permissions to do what it needs to clean it up? Ah, that's, so, that's a good question. Um. This is just some of the work that I've been doing a while back, but like, and it's some of the stuff that I've, I've actually noticed, right? Like if you don't even have the administrative rights on your own cell phone, you can't, your applications nor you <laughs> can do the things that it needs to actually protect your, 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 your phone the way it needs. And, um, and trust me, there are a lot of the malware is on the rise yeah. for, the, for the tablets and the mobile devices, because that's where it's at now. People aren't using no laptops anymore i don't really see it anymore no um and it's funny you mention that because there is a big difference there um so it's kind of it's kind of good and bad because so the way that it works right now is that luckily apple and google which really were the guys i mean let's forget all the other os's that were mobile up until this point <laughs> like, even windows phone sorry guys um at the end of the day, they did it right, right? I mean, uh, pretty much every single application runs under its own UID. It's mm -hmm. under its own user, basically. Um, everything is logically separated from itself. And that that idea of not having root, as much as I hate it, and I'm sure you hate it having a pixel, right? Like, we, we want to have that ability. It's actually really nice because you do, the, the attack vectors are so small, especially on iOS. I got to tell you. I mean, like, iOS, it's annoying as a person who's techie and wants to do something with it. But the code signing and the way that they do it on iOS, like good luck getting an app that's that's doing anything malwareish on there. It's just almost impossible because it's like number one, if you're not jailbroken, you literally are stuck on public apps or getting an app to run on it after getting it to trust the developer and then still getting it to work and getting it to install. And there's all these prompts. You really don't get a way in. Um, Android a little bit more, but still very very so, little. So I do want to say that. Trust me, there's. <laughs> oh yeah, there's ways. Oh, there's given, ways. Given, given, given the the work and the knowledge that I do, well, there uh, are ways to get into them. Um, again, these are still money goes far. these are these are still operating systems. So, mm -hmm. um, if you find a way yeah. to call some, um, uh, some to to make some sys call and mm -hmm. jump from user mode to kernel mode, you can basically make any calls you want. You are the system at that point. So, um, there there are ways to. To jump, but I do agree with you. The attack vectors are super small. Um, a yeah. lot of people don't know what I'm saying right now, yeah. <laughs> um, which is why I'm wary. Um, uh, one of my boys, he, he, uh, our, we, we had a meeting. We had a business meeting the other day. Um, yeah. Uh, about my business and where we wanted to go forward. We, we're, we're currently um developing the business plan. Like all yeah. the paperwork is in. We have the EIN numbers and everything like that. We but got to do the heavy lifting. Now. Yeah, we got to do the heavy lifting. Um. But what he was saying was, hey, given your expertise, why don't you teach a lot of this stuff? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be reliable 
uh, for the information yeah. that I could potentially put out there in the world. Um, and I gave him an example of this guy that um, I was in class with who got actually kicked out of the course um, because he was he, he, he committed theft. He stole something oh, from somebody yeah. else in the course. And, um, and and that's super scary because he was in the same course as me learning learning this very low level technologies mm-hmm. that could potentially make you a super criminal. Sure. Right. Absolutely. Um, so it, it's super scary on my end, and and, and it, it's all about the mission. So I, I I like to say like, oh, it's possible. Yeah, it's absolutely possible. But um, I also like to say that it's very hard, and there's very few people in the world, very few corporations that actually deal with these things to, yeah. that actually make it happen. Um, but yeah, uh, the attack vectors are just so small on these phones. Like you said, they they run in their own users. They like there's really nothing that you could touch. If you were yeah. to pop that application, like you you couldn't you couldn't migrate as another user. You couldn't upgrade as root um, unless yeah. Now when once there's a vulnerability, I mean yeah. you're, you're screwed to be, begin with anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, and and that's the thing. And now like to your the real part of your question, like is there antivirus? Oh, absolutely. We we have something. It's called Trustier. I don't know if you ever heard that name. Now um, does that it does is it able? So say for instance, it finds a piece of malware. I don't know. Um, injected itself in one of the applications doesn't have the the rights the mm-hmm. administrative rights to do what it needs to do to actually clean the mm-hmm. processes up depends and that, that, <laughs> i like that answer <laughs> it, it it's always and i hate to say it because I, I hate i hate like it's funny but like i i hate not giving straight answers but like it really is like five different things so where i'm getting at is okay let, let's talk ios and android right so like android if, as a basic MDM, right, I'm, I'm talking like the device admin API. I'm going to I'm gonna get into specifics people don't need to know, but let's just assume the basic management available today for iOS and Android. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we can put an antivirus on it, but here's the thing. Without doing the, some higher level stuff like Apple's device enrollment program with their supervised mode and Android Enterprise specifically, without doing that stuff, uh, the way it works is that on iOS, we can remove apps we've pushed. That's as an MDM, like the MDM API, that's what we can do. We can't just rip off your apps. We can put what we push. So unless our app has malware, I can't do anything. Now, I can alert you. I can do all the other mm-hmm. context stuff, you know, block your mail until you delete it and all that stuff. But I cannot just go there and take it off. I mean, that's I mean, that's that's pretty smart. And it is a layer of security where it's saying, hey, um, if this phone, especially if the phone is being used for work purposes, yeah. um, you're probably only going to have maybe two or three applications on it that isn't yeah. used for work. Maybe you check in Facebook or something like that. But for the majority, you're that that um, you guys are pushing your own application, so it's able to touch yeah. everything that you guys are pushing anyway, which is pretty smart for the most part. Yeah, which is pretty smart. It is, and, and especially the- when you have like a minimum minimal system. On the phone oh, again, right. and it's a business phone, so you're yeah, already pushing the applications that you need to use for your your your, your the workplace yeah. for the company. Yeah, and and that's where it is nice because it, you you almost avoid issues by just minimizing, right? So it's not even so much. I think the, I guess that's what I wanted to say. The defense has changed. Before it was antivirus and you know have an immune system there and everything else. No, now it's it's really changing how things are done just so it doesn't happen to begin with. Mm. Um, and so realistically, I would say in a mobile phone, you're right. Like that's how I, I I structure these people that I work with. I'm like, hey, don't push extras. Oh, should we allow them to have Facebook? No, no, you should not. You know, now is Facebook a problem? No. 
but it's just one more vector. So I, I actually one more f- vector of attack. If there's a bug in that yeah. Facebook app that you don't have control over, yeah. well, now how far will it actually go? Right, that's always the question. It's like this is all very high level. So it's like you know, if there is a vulnerability, how far can they go? And then on top of it, even if they can get you know low level access to the OS, how is your app developed and how does it handle data? Mm. Right, if your app is the kind of app that you know it's encrypted with you know, some kind of key, obviously, obviously a, a symmetric key or an asymmetric key uh, or a certificate that can be revoked quickly from a CA side if, mm-hmm. if, if it's tie, if it's PKI, right? So it, there's a lot of different ways that I, I don't even believe in like, you can harden the phone, but I think the phones are hardened pretty well at this point. I think now it's really just making sure that the software that runs on it that you use importantly is up to snuff. I I totally a hundred percent agree with you. And being a developer yeah. in this cybersecurity world, right? Yeah. Um, I try to tell people this all the time. The best defense that you could have is have a minimal, mm-hmm. uh, minimal attack surface. Yeah. So the more applications, the more bloat that you have on your Windows machine, mm-hmm. like it, it that's it just gives the uh the attacker. Yeah. more things to look at to kind of exploit the machine so if you have yeah. i don't know some stupid fucking game application that has a bug in it that they may be able to leverage to to um um to to pull down mm-hmm. um, or to get administrative access on your computer then like this is something that you shouldn't have yeah should get rid of um so uh especially with avp sometimes what people don't understand is sometimes a bug lies in the actual antivirus itself um, Windows oh, Defender yeah. had a bug years back where every time it would analyze uh, an application, it would execute it first. Mm. You can see, you, you yeah. So, okay, yeah. That's so, very problematic. So a lot. Of, so the what the malware was using was the actual <laughs> the persistence yeah. was the actual antivirus. It was. Yeah. So every time it would execute me, I would execute the bug in the AV and then propagate. Right. So, um. So so yeah, uh, a lot of the and, and I don't want to shit on Windows Defender. I no. hear a lot of people shitting on the Windows Defender. Windows Defender actually it works, actually works yeah. just as well as any other AVP out there. Yeah. Microsoft knows what the hell they're doing. They've been in the game they're all forever, doing the same thing. Yeah. right? Um, yeah, they they check they they uh, they hash the values. They check the 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 values against some database, and they say if this is a known piece of malware that's found before that that's all it really is under the hood. Yeah. Now some. AVPs do behavioral stuff. Some AVPs do other things. Some baby, some that's some, really what they sell differently on is is that stuff. It's yeah. the add-ons. So, eh, I I would say keeping it minimal because yeah. right now I don't have any antivirus. I use Windows Defender. Yeah. Um, I I feel like I feel comfortable Windows Defender, especially mm-hmm. using the firewall. Oh yeah. Um, I think the firewall is is. I mean, it's been around for a long time, and yeah, they've done a really good job with it. Uh. It's no better than any third-party software that might have a bug in it. Yeah. And and Windows can't update that, right? You'd have no. to update that through the third-party website. And, and, and ah, it gets so convoluted. So, yeah, keep it simple, stupid. Kiss. It, it really Minimal is. Minimal work environments give you a less attack vector. You have less things for yeah. attackers to look at to actually exploit. And I think it's that simple. It really is. I think that... obviously there's a lot of different parts of it, but I think that the general worry about security anymore, like, yeah, I haven't had an antivirus on my computer in how long? I mean, sure, my work computer has one, I think, just to look for stuff. I've never found anything, 
right? And and don't get me wrong, I, I not on work computers, but like I'll have some CD files sometimes. Like the stuff we work with sometimes can come with things like that. At, at the end of the day, it really is that. It's keep your desk clean, right? Exactly. And keep your doors locked, keep your desk clean. It it, it really translates to the simple things in life that we have to do now. Um I I don't think obviously we're going to need more security as we go. We're going to you know, develop next gen operating systems that take what we've learned and put them in. But really it's, I think all most of security is limiting the human factor, like reducing what they can do down to the lowest possible point. Because I, I truly rely, if there's a bug in the OS, I'm done anyway. Like, which is, which is why a lot of people say, Oh, Apple doesn't have viruses because they're really good at reducing the amount of yeah. things that you can actually do to their operating system. Um, yeah. which in a way is very smart. Um, and, and I mean, They've helps. They've it it helps, and I mean, whoever designed their UI is genius because it's beautiful. It's does beautiful. everything you need to do, yes. um, and you don't actually have to touch any lower level processes for for macOS, which is uh, a beautiful thing, and which is why they've been able to maintain that myth that because <laughs> yeah. um, it, it it doesn't really happen, and it doesn't really happen because of the it's not from what you think, um, yeah. um, which is it's a a part of their design is why they don't get hacked. Yeah. But um, a big reason why they don't get hacked is because they're not um, prevalent in the business world. In the enterprise world, majority of the people, oh, majority of these are. companies use Windows. Yeah. Well, now they are, though. That's the thing. Now, I mean, iOS takes, well, I'm, I suck with percentages, so I'm not even going to go there. But I can say it's it's 50-50 at very minimum. Really? Yeah. I mean, granted, if we encompass the whole world, like including Asia and everything else where Android is massive prevalence, and no offense to them, it's great. It's just that like iPhones are very expensive over there for companies and even for people. So yeah, like, but in America, oh, absolutely. iOS is the biggest market share of, of enterprise devices now. You know what's crazy? Even in my business, I haven't even considered using Windows as a client side yeah. desktop, um, just gonna use either Mac OS or, or, or Linux. Yeah. Some sort of Linux distro, Ubuntu or something like that. Because I don't know, man. Windows has been doing it again, it's not security things. Yeah. What you said earlier is the privacy. It is. Um in that that and is you know, if we talked about that as a big issue, oh, it's a massive issue. It's an <laughs> absolutely massive issue. Um the, the European Union actually just went and became in my opinion, the first ones to actually defend their people's rights with GDPR. Um, because now you're actually required as a data processor, as a data holder to, well, comply with pretty stringent requirements. And then on top of it, with requests from the, the actual consumer, the person you have data on. So I know they could request for their data back mm -hmm. now. Um, yeah. Legally in the UK, they can say, hey, I want my, yeah. I want what the data you have on me. And I want it on gone. File. Uh, I want it gone or I want to mm -hmm. see what you have and they have to comply within a certain amount of time yeah. or you have a legal And the more issue. important thing that they did is that every, and now I, again, I may be paraphrasing so like the actual law behind it, but every single piece of information must have a reason why you need it and if it's absolutely important or not. And uh, uh, compared to like what you can do here in the States, you can opt out of everything. Now, opting out of some of these pieces of info may make it so you can no longer engage in business because it's like, well, mm -hmm. like we just can't engage in business without yeah. this info, <laughs> but you can restrict it. And so here, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm with you. You know, Google, people look at Google in a very horrible face, you know, because they're like, oh, they're selling my data. They're doing this. And it's like, they're giving you free Gmail. They're giving you Google Drive for free. Like, they're giving you all this stuff. Don't complain. There's trade-offs. 
There is exactly, I, and I'm a complete Google fanboy, and I know for a fact that Google is uh, manipulating because I've because I, I've worked for companies where, right? We yeah. we have this data and we could Absolutely. use it to, I don't know, optimize the way we sell. Mm-hmm. Like it, you know, I mean, it, it it when you think about it on the from a business perspective, it makes so much sense. It does. And and the consumer, I don't want to say gets offended by it, but I don't know. Okay. I think they take it or they interpret it the wrong way a lot of times. And it may, maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm for corporate America. Maybe maybe I'm being biased here. I just don't see like. And, and I, I care about my privacy. Yeah, I don't absolutely. want it out and whatever. Yeah. you know, user space being sold to other people. But if Google has my data and what they're doing is they're optimizing what I'm doing. They're analyzing what I'm doing to give me better YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. I mean that's kind of it's kind of what it is. A, a great way to kind of sell, right? If they're analyzing my data to uh, to preference um, ads that I see, and I hate fucking ads. Oh God, everyone! But I don't mind the ads if it's things that I like. Like um um, I see like ads for the Ram fifteen hundred. I fucking love the look of the Ram fifteen hundred. So I don't mind looking at that ad. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's so funny. It, yeah, and, and it is. And, and and the thing is that like. God, you know, I, I hate to say it because it all comes down to the human element. It really does. But it's just like, number one, the thing that I hate the most or that bothers me the most about like what was happening, like we were talking before, Capitol Hill with Facebook, Capitol Hill with Google, mm-hmm. um, even people's opinions of Facebook and Google, which don't get me wrong. I think social media is one of the greatest and one of the most horrible things that happened to society. Uh, the horrible part came because of us, mm-hmm. right? Naturally. Our own human nature injected into the- That's all it is. Like, yeah. But at, at the biggest thing that bothers me is that this was a consensual relationship. When you signed up for your Google account, you dis, you agreed to all these things. And yeah, I agree. You know, the other day I was looking for something online. I think it was actually, um, I was looking at the new Ford Mustang, right? Not a big domestic guy, but I want one of those five O's. Mm-hmm. I, I want one of the new Mustangs. It looks so great. Was looking it up. And then later on, a few hours later, I was watching Hulu. Ford Mustang commercial comes on. Mm-hmm. Coincidence? No, it, it, it isn't a coincidence because it happens all the time. Right now, granted, how is that connection being made? Well, it's probably based on IP, right? They see my IP when I'm browsing the browser, Google AdWords, AdChoice, all those other companies are in there some way. Well, and then it transfers. Uh, I mean, Google has an API mm-hmm. um, and, and this is uh, great with APIs. I was actually talking about it because um, Facebook had another breach a couple months yes. ago yeah. and they were using their API to to manipulate and do things. And and, and I came to the defense. I, I am of, I am defensive against certain things like that yeah. because I could write a like profile. the thing that they were using the API to do mm-hmm. um, to like gather information from people's pages. I could write a scraper oh God, yeah. to do the same thing without using Facebook's API. So it's not really Facebook's fault, more so the consumer's fault for putting their own information out there. Right. And my argument is you wouldn't go in the middle of Times Square with a cardboard with your address, email address, yeah. um, you know, where you know, you know what I mean, certain information mm-hmm. about yourself giving it to the public. You wouldn't do that. People so do why realize. do you do it online? Um, you know what I mean? There's there are ways like you said, these are public domains. Mm-hmm. Certain information that you put out there is just free for the world to see. And it you is. can't really get mad about how other like if if you know and understand that this is a public domain. Mm-hmm. And now that a corporation is invoking its rights over data that's pushed into the public domain, now you get upset. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I want it. I, I want it. 
I want to be able to put my information in the public domain. I just don't want corporations to be able to use it to right. sell me ads. I think it's it's kind of confusing. It, it's hard to satisfy people yeah. with that. And, and and I agree with you completely. I'm so glad you said that because like at the end of the day, like I have friends who stopped using Facebook and I, I respect it whatever way you go about it. You know, people stop using this, stop doing, using that. But the beautiful thing is I also at least believed their cause more because they weren't one of these people I'm about to describe. The scariest thing about Facebook is not the fact that they will use your data to show you what kind of soap you're going to like more or <laughs> what kind, you know, which, uh, which bar you want to go out to, whatever. That's not the scary part. The scary part is, like you said, what you put in because people, I have a, I believe that there are kind of two kinds of people. There are the people who think and they're perfectly normal. And then there are people who will analyze. And I think that m the majority of people or the higher number of people in the world, they're, they're not analyzers, right? They look at it on a surface level, maybe go one level of context or two deep and that's it. What people don't realize what they're doing with Facebook is that when you go on there and you post, oh, my boyfriend just broke up with me or, oh, I can't stand my boss. They're so annoying. Mm hmm People don't realize that, oh, you know, that status, it's nothing. No, with somebody's Facebook profile, I can build an actual profile of you as a person. I don't need to know your sales and what you buy or you don't. When you're sad, like March 15th, you were sad. You know, this is all something that Facebook, with the data they have about any user, could go and realistically write an algorithm saying, if you see these keywords in this kind of you know, organization, it likely refers to an emotional sadness, an emotional anger, an emotional this. You can get a profile of when people were angry, sad, happy, annoyed, when they were in a purchasing um, kind of mindset, when they weren't, when they weren't a vulnerable mindset, when they weren't a powerful mindset. That's what the actual scary stuff is that people should worry about. And they don't. But they're, they're feeding it themselves. You're right. Like, you can go on Facebook and put pictures of your kids. Nothing's really going to happen with that. You can go and share, hey, guys, you know, the, the hurricane's out here right now and you're in Florida. Hey, I'm safe. You know, you can share what, what your thoughts and beliefs and everything are. But when you start putting that emotional connection on there, that's the scary part, I think. I um, And this has come recently. Um, I actually deleted my last Facebook, deleted it, yeah. only because um, I didn't want anyone to go back into my history. This was like two, three years ago, though. This yeah. is before people started like. Oh, yeah. like But yeah. Uh, I, I saw the curve coming and I'm mm -hmm. like, hey, listen, you know, I'm a new and better me. I kind of want to change. So I actually deleted my last Facebook and created a new one. Yeah. So I could be. Um, and, and I hate to say this, but when you're on social media, I think it pays almost to, to keep it, uh, professional, keep to it keep clean. it clean yeah. at all times. Um, because you never know where you're going to be in 10 years mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and to see what they're doing to people right now, we can collect that data off of you. And, and if you think jobs mm -hmm. aren't looking at your Facebook profile, oh, you got something coming, they are. right? Like we, we want to know, we, we want to hire you. Yeah. And we want to know what kind of person you are. And the interview went great, but we want to know who you really are. So we're going yeah. to dig into your social media. We want to see what kind of person you are. What do you do on the weekends? Are you a good fit here? Yeah. And we start going down a couple months and fuck this, fuck that. And yeah, like you start seeing some really shitty shit going on there with that person. And you're just like, uh, this is not going to be good. My advice is to, as long as you're keeping it clean. Yeah. I think, I think you'd be. Uh, fine on these platforms uh honestly yeah. in my opinion um like you said just people can create these profiles or especially the way ai is going um and i've been meaning that's like my next project is to create yeah. some sort of um, yeah. artificial intelligence that can do things like this because you, you have all these libraries out there now oh, that support this
Yeah. It's getting it's getting crazy. It is. Um and and that's one of the things I really want to work on towards the future. Now, granted, I think I really need to, you know, fill up my neuroscience background a little bit higher, uh, quite a bit higher to to be able to do something like that, but that's that's really where we're going to go next. And you're right with AI. And I mean, honestly, AI, the talks we've been having lately, it's all just very high level stuff. Like people have yet to see it. Give it 20 years and you'll see what we're talking about AI. When we actually have our, you know, artificial general intelligence, which is for those who don't know, like when artificial intelligence is at a point where you have a sentient entity of some sort, whether a processor, a computer, something that can make a decision not based on just its inputs. Right, you can feed it data, but it'll find its own answer. That's when you should start wondering. I don't think we'll. I don't think we're anywhere <laughs> near that. I, to be honest yeah, with you, I kind of doubt that we can even create something like that. I got. I just got some really good news. Oh um, yeah, one of the guys. Um, so my boss. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to find people who do the things that we do. Yeah. Sidebar. I'm sorry. We're no. going to get back to this AI. Yeah, no, please. Sidebar. Let's it's go. really hard to find developers that do what we do. Yeah. Um, and, and it's been kind of a talk. Uh, like, do we train someone? Hmm. But if we do train someone, how long before they become profitable? I think that's a huge question, right? That's like, a good question. It, it, how long before? Because we want, we want to train. We, if we have to train you, we'll train you. But at the same time, how long before you'll hit the ground running and mm. you start becoming um, you start um, uh, becoming something profitable mm-hmm. bef- uh, instead of us actually um, dumping you. money? Make exactly. So um, and we have this platform called Escalate and mm. I love Escalate, um, but we design it and it's to teach cybersecurity professionals. OK. And we do our thing in, in the engineering world. You may have um, heard of it. It's called eat your own dog food. Yeah. So we eat our own dog yes. food. We use our own infrastructure to do things like hire people. Yeah. So, and we use our own in- infrastructure to do things like teach ourselves Absolutely. or teach other people on the other side of the house who may not be as savvy. Yeah. So um, we, we eat our own dog food a lot. And, and, and it's kind of a, a business model of ours where it's, it, it, yeah, because we not only, we're not getting the complaints only from, the consumer yeah right we can catch it before the consumer catches it and we can make it better oh god yeah so we eat our own dog food all the time that's just that's that's something that the world should know it does yeah all engineers it's called eat it's eating your own dog food and eating your own dog food is a term where you actually utilize the infrastructure or the product that you sell so um one of the ceos for coca-cola drinks like two or three cokes a day that's that's Pretty. eating your own dog food. That's a term of eating your own dog food. He yeah. he actually um, buys and drinks the product that he sells. Yeah. And, and, and what better way? Like that's a marketing mm-hmm. ploy if I ever seen one. Right? Oh, He's been it doing it for decades. Yeah. So um, we do that too. We yeah. use our own products that we sell to consumers, and and we found it to be um, very very useful, and we could tune it in the way. Um, to where we needed to be, especially when using it to hire people, because that's that, that's a a marketing um, thing for other companies, mm-hmm. right? They could use this thing to hire people. They can use this thing to train people. Oh yeah, you could have all this analytics on the personnel, um, where you can see where exactly they're at, how long they're taking to solve a challenge, and 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 right. it's 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 super great. But you get metrics. This, we kind of made a hybrid and said we'll train someone. You won't hire them. We'll give them. 
free access to the platform for a while. And hmm. if they do well, we'll give them this training track. And if they do well, we'll give them a shot. Is that back? Yeah. Yeah. I actually like that. And this guy, he, he, he did um, a good majority of the challenges. He completed all the track within a certain amount of time that we gave him. And yeah. I think he's going to get uh, a shot. So it's good like to that. test our process, right? Um, and, and again, we got to eat our own dog food. So like if he does get a shot and gets that interview shot and he does get hired, yeah. then we get to see how well our platform actually oh, yeah. works, right? Because I've, I've used it. Yeah. I've used it before I got hired and it was good for me. And there's a couple other people who actually used it. This is when it was in beta, but like it's a couple other people too who got hired from yeah. you, from from this raw Escalate platform. Escalate is just an amazing platform that, that teaches people. And I got hired and a couple other people got hired and this guy is about to be the next, next guy one. who got. So we're proving that our product worked by yeah. utilizing it ourselves. Oh yeah. Amazing. And uh, I thought it was a great idea. It was a complicated topic for a while. Cause it's like, okay, now that he, if he gets hired, how long before he becomes profitable? And I think that's where the real proof is in the pudding. Yeah. But a couple of us got hired from using the same platform. And I think we're still around for years later. Yeah, so. so obviously it's working. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just excited. He just sent an email out saying he he completed the thing in and the time got, required. Oh, it was himself. Okay. I thought it yeah. was like your boss saying it. But no, no, no. He, he, he sent it out to me, Johnny. Um, oh, like the people. A few other developers um, in, in one of the, the, the hiring uh, personnel at I, oh, at my okay. job so he forward he added us all to the email for it's our it's it's pretty exciting yeah. i'm excited that is what's up and and, and honestly i kind of like that um that's that's the thing the traditional interview um and much like our much like our voting system a, a lot of things just don't make sense where they came from um the traditional uh, hiring process is really thrown off because yeah I, I can make it sound real pretty for you real quick and then you hire me and i'm just well dog shit yeah right um yeah <laughs> absolutely and so if this actually can do something like that to the point where i mean granted i think you know obviously not avoiding micromanaging right you always want to avoid microanalysis too but at the same time like i think this will be a good indicator of like how much of a self-starter he is and that I think is even one of the most important things. Like, does he know it? But also, how bad does he want to get through it? I think that proves that he's a self starter. Yeah. The fact that no one helped him. I just now That's, found out that yeah. um, he was doing it. Um, a lot of the developers got offered this too. Like, if you know yeah. anybody who is up and coming and you think they may be able to, or they have the goals to actually go through this process and do this, this is right here. It proves more than just he can do the task. It yeah. proves that he's a self starter. It exactly. proves that he grinded every day for the time allotted to get it done. Yep. So it, it, it proves a lot more than um, the knowledge that he has in his head. It, it proves that he can physically do it, and it proves that he's self-motivated enough to do it. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I think that's pretty amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It is. If I was hiring someone, their technical knowledge is going to be important. But the foundation, right? I'm more like back to your question. Do you train? Do you hire? Yeah. You're always you always have to be willing to train people on what you do specifically. That one is non-negotiable. You have to teach them what mm -hmm. you're doing unless they can figure out themselves. But when I if I was hiring someone, what I'd be looking for is I want to see that shine in his eye. Mm -hmm. I want to see that you know like it, like they say for sales guys. I want to see his palm sweating. I want him to be money hungry and ready to go. Because when you see that, that you see the passion. 
And it, it, th- I don't think anyone who has accomplished great things in this world today didn't have some passion. They didn't have that. They were just on that pursuit of whether it was getting to the end, whether it was finding an answer, whatever it was that their goal was or their course or their their journey. A lot of these engineers and scientists, I'm not even talking tech anymore. I'm talking medical, anything, any of the the, the amazing things that we're doing. It's people like that you're going to find. I think I think that goes back into what you were saying before, especially being in the tech industry. You just you're not going to be good at this unless you like it. Unless you enjoy it, you have to enjoy this job. Um, I think that's one of the things of being in a STEM field in general. Yeah. Like if you're in a STEM field, you <laughs> you have to enjoy it. Science, technology, engineering, mechanics, um, even medicine. Like you, yeah. This is something that you have to enjoy to do or because it is grueling work and it, it takes is. a lot of thought um, a lot of the time. Last question. Yes. And then we can go yeah, wherever you want. Uh, what does the future of enterprise networking uh, me and Johnny yeah. spoke about DevOps last episode. Yeah. Uh, do you think there will be a day where we could spin up an entire enterprise infrastructure up with the usage of DevOps? What What role does automation play when design new solutions to plug into an existing network? Oh, which man. is which is what you do for your customers. You de- you design solutions yeah. to plug into existing networks. Yeah. Does DevOps have a a a play into that? Oh, absolutely. Does it have a, like a major role or? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, and obviously like the DevOps environment, I'm I'm well versed in, but like there may be some things I'm not thinking about. But realistically, Docker and Kubernetes was one of the greatest things I think could have happened. I mean, it, I totally m- agree. Containerization was the way and, 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 and it's it, it seems natural. That's the thing, right? We started with physical machines and then we figured out virtualization. And then once we figured out virtualization, then we started to go and compress more and more into one machine. Mm. Now we're on to containers where instead of abstracting the whole OS, like we're really just doing kernel apps, libraries, and this. And then basically there's an OS kind of under it. Mm-hmm. The next part will probably be even further than that. So I, I do think that DevOps related things are going to be the next, the, the future of everything because you know, and now granted, you know, we're talking Ansible and all these other weird tools that people don't really know, but it's fast deployment. That's the key. Having a dedicated machine that does this job, that has a standard, you know, uh, load balancing capacity where if it fails, it goes here mm-hmm. or if it needs more, it does this. No, no, you need something that literally, it, it you know, it's funny when I think of Kubernetes, I think of uh, a military video I actually saw where they were testing out drones and mm-hmm. they dropped like a thousand drones that they created a mesh network and they actually flew together. It looked like a swarm. That's what I imagine Kubernetes to be. Like you want something that literally can start as one and within seconds, 100,000, mm-hmm. 100,000 containers available. So realistically, as we move towards the future, I think what we're doing now is going to continue. The bare metal, we're going to cram as much as we can in there until that thing's ready to explode. And, and that's how you get to that scale of computing. You know, you keep making things more powerful and smaller hardware wise, but software, you keep increasing efficiency. I think that's really what part of Docker and Kubernetes does. It's all about containerization is increasing efficiency. It's using more and more and more for less. Um, now, how will that change network design? Hmm. I, th- I think network design is going to stay very similar for a long while until more tech comes out, um, you know, new things or, or new processes, I guess. Don't really know how that one's going to go. But That's like the only um, part of IT that hasn't been... Yeah. changing for the most part we're still using a lot more virtual EIGRP we're still using OSPF for routing protocols we're still using yeah. routing tables and switches and yeah. we're still using this kind of the same 
protocols that we've been using for a long time. That's kind of the, yeah. I think that's the next step for us is to, to like re, um, um, re reinvent, reinvent yeah. the networking stack to make it more efficient. Because like you said, we've been making operating systems more efficient to the point where we have containers now. We don't even need the whole oh. um, operating system. We don't need the kernel because we have the OS and the OS is sitting on top of a kernel that's already there. So let's just optimize. Let's create, let's make yeah. it a container. Let's just put it in its own namespace. So yeah, like I think that that's like the last thing we need. But um, is, is that something that you take great consideration in when you're, like, do you, like, when, you, when you're creating these solutions, um, and, and by solutions, guys, he's creating, um, basically, uh, he's taking a customer consideration for the products that they want to use in their network, yeah. and he's kind of figuring out how to plug that into a network that's already existing um, and secure it mm -hmm. and do it efficiently. Yep map it out and, and, and not try to break current processes that are already there, which administrators has done in the early 90s oh, and the early 2000s, which is why yeah. they started creating solution architects because they will deploy something on a network and it'll break everything. Yeah. It, it, and I think at the end of the day, it, it really is just you're kind of the guy, at least for that solution, right? If you were a, a consultant, maybe you'd, you'd hit more things. But really, the solutions architect and the solutions engineer, really what you're doing is you're you're basically handing in the keys and saying, okay, you told me what you wanted. We put it together together, right? Because I'm not going <laughs> to do it for them. Luckily, I'm not in that. I, I'm not like services where like, you know, I do the work. It's that I, I'm just your guru. Um, at, at the end of it all, right you have taken them through all those steps because they come there they don't know i mean maybe some of the bigger ones they do but most of the time they'll they'll have a set of requirements they have no clue what to do mm. they, they they don't know upside down backwards if i should you know implement it this way or that way so that's where they lean on us so it's not just you know knowledge in 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 just that platform that you're doing but it's 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 just technical knowledge in general right when they come to me and they're like hey we we need to get back to the network so we need a vpn but there's this this and this and this consideration and then you're like dang it okay well all right well if you do it this way it's gonna go this way. oh that's not gonna work so it, it is um it is just giving them a solution i think is really it it's it's literally they come to you with a problem and you're like well i'm gonna help you get there right mm -hmm. I, i'm a life coach for tech i guess <laughs> let's call it that i think that's pretty pretty amazing because it's fine. for you um the knowledge won't necessarily be deep and i don't know specifically yeah. but it'll be wide. you've yeah. touched many technologies yeah. i'm assuming a lot yeah um it, it is it is very wide um, now the the sad part is that it does get deep um at times now you're mm. right some of the ones you don't need to um but then and and this is kind of like an unofficial <laughs> but like at least in in my space i found that i i end up helping a lot with stuff that's not officially ibm supported in the mm. sense of like you know, we get on a meeting, uh, for example, we have a proxy for ActiveSync traffic. You know ActiveSync, right? Mm -hmm. uh, exchange mail, basically. And it's kind of a pain to set up at times. Um, one of the things that happens there is that you constantly have little issues, right? Like something in exchange isn't right, or they have a load balancer that they're using for these things that they didn't turn on sticky sessions. So it's not really persisting uh, that load balancing. So it'll talk to you here, and then the next minute it'll just go there and it just mm. breaks. Those kinds of things we find ourselves fixing for them because they're like, okay, I, I get the problem. How do I fix that? And you're just like, uh, 
I don't, I can Google it for you. And so, <laughs> oh God, you know how many things I've solved with just like, I knew nothing about the solution, but I had the basic understanding and then you can quickly look it up and be like, oh, it's, it's that. Okay. That's one of our models, actually. Um, it's my model too. My life model in IT is, yeah. is if you can understand um, the, underlying, the underlying concepts, if you understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a lot of people, they could say, oh, I know how our car works. Um, yeah. I, I push the gas and I, and the brake and then I turn the wheel yeah. and it's like, well, yeah, that's sure. how you drive the car. But if you understood fundamentally the underlying concepts mm-hmm. of how an engine and transmission work, like drive when driving stick, yeah. it'll make you a better driver oh, at the end of the day because you know how this thing operates. So you could drive in a way that's more efficient, absolutely. that's more appropriate for the engine. That's so, um, my, my, <laughs> My point is, mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot of people they come with these problems. Um, I guess, I guess that I guess I really just uh, made my point. No, you did to 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 add on to to what you were saying, yeah. where they call in and they don't even know how to fix it. No, um, but for the, to to become a solutions architect, that's just something that you have to know. So I guess my comment, I, I just kind of want to revoke my comment when I say it might not be that deep because it it has to be. Yeah, it for can you to be, really yeah. understand how to these technologies plug into the networks. It yeah. has to be why it has to be deep. You have to know extensively. Um, you have to know the fundamentals, and from the fundamentals, you can kind of build your scaffolding for success um and and any and any network because i'm assuming you get networks that are completely just nuts yeah you you get i mean you get things i mean some of them like we don't even see the breadth of it like and and, i mean uh, the network side of things that we do like so our platform is SaaS, right it's cloud it's Mm -hmm. all on the cloud but there you know there are components that will connect back that will install in network for you to to do various services um oh my god the, the level that things get to is ridiculous and then on top of it you see things that are just weird really weird like how they have things set up to say the least <laughs> yeah to say the very least um you know not to go too far into that side but then you work with feds and they have their own weirdness because now everything has to be approved and there's all these delays it, it, there's always just something kind of fighting at you but i agree with you like i'm not going to say that like somebody couldn't be a solutions engineer or architect and like just have the top level as long as they knew their platform. Cause that's really the job. If you're going to meet your job, you need to know your platform and how it works in a basic level to everyone else. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it number one, I, I, I have a desire for pursuit of knowledge. It's, it's my thing. You know, when, when I'm on my deathbed, I'm going to think about my family, what I've accomplished and more, and then what I've learned. I love that. Right. I, yeah, thanks, I love man. that. I, I hope, cause like, that's the thing. It's like the order of importance. It's like my family and, and the people I love were the first ones. Did I treat them right? Did I do right? I did. Okay, good. Did I accomplish my goals in life? I did. Good. Did I learn everything that I could and that I wanted to? So I, I think that at that point, I doing that job right now as a solution engineer is great for me because it allows me to keep doing that. Like I'm, I'm the guy that will read until your heart's content. I'll spend hours reading articles. So when I'm doing my work and somebody comes up and they're like, yeah, we have this really weird, you know, uh, yeah, our firewall is this, or, Oh, we, we have a really weird setup. We have these Android phones, but they're made in China and they're, <laughs> they come, they come rooted already, but they don't have the play store and, and like, it's just like all these intricacies that really make your, the gears turn. And you're just like, hmm, how am I going to do this? Right. And when then you, you start coming up with crazy stuff, dude. Oh God. The suggestions I've given people sometimes are even ridiculous. Like I, I should have thought about it and been like, okay, I know you're not going to do it. It works, but you won't. <laughs> yeah. 
So, I mean, that's pretty amazing. What's the future um, for Pedro? So for me specifically, um, it, it kind of goes a few ways. It's weird. It, it's going to go a few different pathways. Um, the the job-bearing person inside of me wants to create policy within I, in, uh, information security. So like, I mm. want to be a CISO, be a CIO, be a director of these decisions. But I, I feel like the even more important part is really the, the researcher in me, the, the, the scientist. And on that side, I really want to start working with one of two things, if possible, uh, biomechanics. So I'd really, really, really like to work on any human machine interfacing. So mm. whether it's muscular, uh, you know, obviously a nervous system, whether it's just cardiovascular, you know, working on a, heart, a new heart pump, something like that would be really cool. Um, but if not, I, I really would love to work on AI. Like that's, I think that's the new wave. That's I'm the super way. interested in that too, man. Yeah. It, and I and I feel like it's where everyone's gonna go because it's like the hot new thing. But it's like I want, I think I want to go there for a little bit different reason. I think it's because I I want to see intelligence created like this. Like I don't want to just be the only one. And a lot of people are scared of what's gonna happen. Those those fears, they'll they'll sort themselves out. But. I, f- I feel like the fear towards AI is just unwarranted. Maybe I I think it it's just our, um our ignorance um that yeah. society has in place into us with the movies and yeah. and, and the hollywood stuff that we see the terminators and and, and you <laughs> know cool. right and the apollo 11 it, it's yeah, just like yeah. the things that where the machine goes haywire and it turns on yeah. us and, and like it um i think that's what's going on right it's our inherent fear of creating the the next thing that's going to be better than us yeah and um it's a I, fair I, fear um, I think it's pretty valid, but at the same time, I just I don't see anyone creating. I I don't know. I don't know if I have the right to say that. Yeah. I personally don't see anyone creating a machine that could destroy them. It, I, I just I don't, I don't see it uh, <laughs> happening. I, I think that maybe you're right. It, it might end up being one of those things where the technology comes and we're like, hold the brakes. Let's. Let's not go too near this. Yeah, hit the emergency button. Shut the shit down. Yeah, AI, just like the internet, but even more so, I think this will be even more pivotal if we actually can do it, right? So obviously not going too far into it, but like I think the only way true AI to the point where human, like what we believe, which is like a sentient being, we need to map the human brain first. We need to understand those connections first and emulate it. It's just an emulator. That's yeah. what we'll do when we get true AI brain sim- emulation. And we're nowhere near. No. We, we barely understand how depression works. What more? Th- the thing, though, is that it will be the most amazing thing that humanity will have done to this day and probably for a while longer. But it also could be the destroy. The, the, it can be the destruction. And I say that because if our ideas are correct, if we are actually able to create a neural chip that behaves like human brain does and multiplex it in any way so that you can increase capacity, even if this thing doesn't have memories and dreams, it just it's capable of free thought in some way or independent decision-making. The research at the machine, at the level that we created, we would fill the room. You know, we would have Watson, IBM Watson doing this instead for us. You know, the scale that we would go to, these, this machine would be able to create invention and human, not human, but like invention and, and discovery at a rate that humans can only dream of. I mean, they could, it could probably easily do 10,000 years worth of human research in a week if but- it, uh, yeah, yeah. Cancer, <laughs> HIV, all these things, problems solved. The problem, I think, though, comes when yes, if it is a sentient machine, like you said, what value are we? We're organic, 
time dependent, you know, kind of useless things. Whereas once a true AI exists, that's a being for, for eternity. Once you are digitized, you can exist forever. I feel like we might have to get in touch with our emotional side and be friends with it. Yeah, right? <laughs> we, we probably will. And, and But I don't even think it's going to be like the machine rises up like everyone else. We might thinks. have to like um, give it some weights where uh, we we weight re, uh, yeah. sympathy really high uh, yeah. so like the machine understands the weakness in us but sympathizes yeah. and wants to help us. So yeah. we might have to wait the machine out and wait or like um, give sympathy a, a higher weight than any other emotion. If we do create some sort of but the sad part is how do we get how we get sympathy for it, you know? And I agree with you, but it's like and I say this you're probably wondering what I mean by this. Like there's sympathy in the children that are starving in this world. There's sympathy for you know men and women and children that are abused and used and and war torn and left and right. That's where the human side truly needs to have sympathy for and. But it, it, I feel like they're going to look at us. That thing is going to look at us as humans. If it can make decisions on its own, it's going to look at us as humans and look. And it, think about it, what it knows. An AI at this point will have consumed all the data that you would imagine, right? Like if you can actually create it, you're going to feed it the internet. You're going to be mm -hmm. like, go learn. Come back to me in 30 seconds. Right? I mean, that's, that's basically what we do now. Yeah. We're training it like a two-year-old. Right. But that difference will be we're giving it textbooks and it really is going to learn on its own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what will it think of us? As humans, though, like not being too philosophical, but think about it, like as much as it'll feel bad if it has emotions, it'll feel bad for the horrible things that happen to us as part of other people's actions. But then it'll look at us and it'll be like, you guys kill each other. You blow each other up. You, it's, oh, for man. some reason, put profit above innovation. Old, you, old yeller. He'd probably... It'd probably take us out in the back and yeah, it's gonna take us out back with a nuke and right? send us off. I mean, it, so it shed a tear while doing it. It would. <laughs> it, and it's crazy. It is, man. Like, and that's the other thing too. It's like that's why you know I try to practice that kind of mindfulness. Like, I I do. You know, I'm just like any other human. I do my bad level of stuff, but there's always a base. You you don't want to become one of those evil people. But like, I really think that like if we ever get to that point, this machine is gonna sit there and be like how do I save this? Like if it really is that question, if it ever comes to that question, how will it decide like, Oh, they're worth saving because when you think about it logically, because again, that we're, I'm hoping I God, I hope that if we have an AI, it's logical because if it's irrational, we're all screwed. Um, when it actually thinks about this thing, is it going to logically come to the conclusion of, well, they've, they've had it hard and I need to be sympathetic of them or, I mean, they did it to them. This is them. This is what they are. They're murderous, you oh, know, greedy, whatever. I, I would assume it'd be like uh, if you ever saw a Love, Death, and Robots mm -hmm. on Netflix, yeah. um, the episode where the yogurt, the yogurt oh, became sentient, yeah, yeah. Um, and they just was like, well, I can't help you motherfuckers, and they, they left the planet. Um, same thing with like, with like Dr. Uh, Dr. Manhattan, where um, he uh, went to Mars and just like lived his life in the I universe. Uh, Dr. Manhattan from... Um, if it was a movie, I'm out of touch. It's a it's a it's a DC character from. Oh uh, yeah, I and for for the listeners, I'm so sorry. I know you guys are all usually comic freaks, and I I didn't get into it. My bad. I like Iron Man though; he's cool. From the Watchmen. Oh okay. I yeah, I didn't watch, but yeah, I I've heard of it. Yeah. Um, but um, sorry, go ahead. Um, they're they they're they're coming with some spinoffs now where um. 
Doctor Manhattan left left that universe mm-hmm. and created the DC universe. Like yeah. he is the creator of the oh of the, DC, yeah the yeah. actual um but um yeah he he eventually like became beyond yeah so beyond human beings that he's just like I can't even stay here anymore yeah I'm out I'm gonna explore the universe you guys suck and not only that but how will it in- how will it face the issues that we find? I mean, let's just assume that in 100, 200, 300 years, whatever it is, when this technology actually becomes a thing, it's going to be concerned about cures, um, evolution, understanding the creation of man, the creation of the universe, and every single piece of matter around it. I think that's if you give a machine or a human the end goal of discovering everything that it can and understanding the world around us, that's its goal, right? It's to figure out every little component of what makes up all of this. Mm-hmm. Whereas the humans are going to be sitting there worrying about, I need to go invade a, a country full of families and kill them because I need their oil or <laughs> I need to go do this because, or we're making this decision and, you know, there's a riot somewhere because, you know, we're allowing cops to shoot people left and right. It's just like, it's going to look at our issues and be like, you are a hindrance on my work. Like I'm here discovering the intricacies of the universe and you as humans are sitting here just a waste of space. Like I feel like a lot of the scientists in this world today, they feel like that. Actually. They feel yeah. like that. I feel like that. <laughs> um, uh, I, I mean, <laughs> I hate to say it. Like, I think that the thing that bothers me is that I'm not talking about a- academic excellence. I'm not like, you know, college, it, uh, uh, the value of education is intangible, but college is not like that. Education is. And so, I agree with you. Like, I feel, I feel wrong feeling like that sometimes because I'm like, I'm no better than most other people, right? Like, I just because I know a lot of things or you know a lot of things doesn't make it mean us makes us better or this or that. But then you have an argument with someone about something, and the way they go about it, you're just like, you know what? I've I've given up on that process, and I think a lot of scientists have. And I'm not a scientist. Um, I do want to get my degree. It's hard because being so much stuff that I have to do, I don't have the time. Um, I I do want to do it. Um. Um, if I was in one state, yeah, the majority of the time, then you'd be good. <laughs> I'd be good. So I actually have to like get out of the military or something. But I'm, I'm uh, like, I'm gonna be uh, in a different state in a few weeks, and then after that, oh, so I'm you're still be, active. I didn't know. Um, I'm not active. Well, I'm but, like part time, but yeah. I'm, I'm like all over the country. So like, um, yeah, I'll, I've, I've been to I don't know, like six different states oh, God, yeah, in the past couple you. months. Like I'm, I'm always just moving, moving and I can't do school um i could do online school but yeah. to be a computer scientist i don't think online school would you'd have to go to like a penn state you know would benefit me yeah um i want to walk into the classroom and actually interact with the professor which is kind of what i want to do here yeah. um some people they said hey why don't you um do the webcam thing for the podcast mm. and it's just like it's, it's so same. much more personal when you're sitting in front of the person, it's it's a better connection. Yeah, absolutely. It's a better connection. It's a better vibe. We could feed off of each other. You can't really do that through a computer screen. No, yeah. Um, I completely agree. But yeah, uh, I'm not a computer scientist, but I do feel yeah what you feel where it's like, um, and, and I've given up, yeah. to be honest with you. It's just, it's just like, hey, I, I guess I can't change you guys' mind. You guys have the most powerful devices in the world. You can literally get any knowledge That's you want within seconds and you refuse to listen you refuse to have um um conversation you want to be ignorant you want to be blind no, no, no mm-hmm. i don't want to be a conversation you're wrong i'm right um i i know everything there is to know about life yeah uh like and instead of having like the conversations about the planet and about you know technology in the future where we want to be in 10 years uh we're talking about 
Popeye's chicken. It's just annoying. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's fucking annoying. It is. <laughs> but it, I just give up. I'm just like, you know what? I'm dis. I discommunicated myself from that part of the world and the people who want to conversate, like you. Yeah. Like I want. I'm so open to the conversation, yeah. and I want to talk about this. And then you have the people who do. And I want to talk to them too, right? Like, yeah. like, like these people are actually making the things happen. And you know what? The, the regular people they they penalize the people who do. They do. You know why? Because uh, there's so much incentive in the society for the people who do, and it should be. Yeah. Right. Um, there should be incentive for the business owner yeah. who decided to go out there and create a business and take all of the risk, which is a lot of people don't understand. They say, "Why they're so rich and oh, and, God, and, yeah. and we're so poor? They shouldn't have so much money." And it's like, well, they also take on all of the risk. They also they didn't are, see their kid for how many days at a time, or <laughs> they did all of the work. They own the machines in the factory that you yeah. work in. Like they had to go out and spend millions of yeah. dollars and take the risk to do the things just to. They, they're the ones paying you your paycheck, and they're the ones that had to put together the analytics and the. the it, it, it people don't take that into no. mind. So they, like they see the money, high risk, high reward. Yeah, right. So why should you not be incentivized? Because you're a doer yeah. in society, and um, I think um, people, yeah, that's another thing. That's a political argument that I don't um, want to get into. But yeah, the no. quality of outcome is something oh, that God, yeah. I, I strongly disagree with. Yeah, and uh, and I agree with you. Like, and and that's the sad part because I used to enjoy politics a lot until it, it just became like because you're right. Like, you get to a, a face palm moment where you're just like, you know what? Like, I'm gonna shut the fuck. I'm not even gonna say anything. I'm just anymore. gonna focus on my C code, right? Because <laughs> it's it's a wasted time. You you almost feel like you wasted your time telling somebody something. Like, and and I agree with you. Like, you know, politically, not even going into it, it's just like, you know, you make your own money in this country. God damn it! I I am so tired in this place. Like, I came I came from Europe, right? Like, so I was born there. I, I'm an immigrant here. Mm. I thank the goddamn heavens for this country because I came here and I was able to make something. Now, could I have done it there? Yeah, probably, but not at the same way. Not as fast as I did. And so everyone here, it's always about, oh, they, it's either, you know, you got the Republic side where it's like, oh, you know, you made your money and you own it. And then there's the one everyone deserves equal money. Hey, man, I just I agree. Nobody sh there shouldn't be a hungry mouth in this country. Not when you're America. I agree I, with I, that. I, but, but at the same time, what I made is what I made. And what you made is what you made. And what Bill Gates made his 60-some, $70 billion, he probably deserved it because he dropped out of Harvard, Harvard or Stanford, whichever one. He dropped out of that to pursue his dream. He could have failed. He could have become a bum sitting, you know, putting on a monkey suit for kids or something. Like, he could have been nothing when that failed. I think people don't take that into consideration. They when don't. you go out and you, you – you talk to these investors and these these people who are invested in your company and you're borrowing yeah. money from banks and the same time that you at the same like it high reward high risk right yeah. at the same time they have high reward that's what we see we see the reward but we don't see the risk yeah. we don't see the um all of the companies that fail within their first year or within God, their first yeah. five years yeah. and they owe millions of dollars of money back to the bank and they're in debt yeah right we don't we don't see that don't. the people who face palmed um and and n nothing against them because they are doers. Yeah. They went out and they tried and they probably went back out and started yeah. a new business. And they, you know, people it, don't, it's a process, but yeah. high risk, high reward. Um, but That's what it is. 
it, you know, and they don't see how many times that pro- person probably broke down crying in their office <laughs> at 1 a.m. because they were like, my business is literally about to fall. Like Elon Musk himself. And, and I always mention him because like SpaceX to me is like, oh, man, like ro- rockets. Dude, he's my like, hero. Yeah. He he's yeah. one of the few. A lot of people don't like him for many reasons, but like we don't have many innovators. He He is among the leagues of the Einsteins of our day. And the funny thing is that like when Tesla was about to just go under, like literally they had like two, three days left before like things were just going to go bad if it didn't get better. Successful launch, baby. Yeah. He was sitting there and and you go outside and you see the video of when they like launched SpaceX. Like it just like these are the moments I'm talking about. And you see him. He literally was like the first time they launched Falcon. Like he runs outside and it's just like out there looking up at the sky and he's just like. The smile on his face is like a kid who just, you know, met his idol. Like he, he literally is in that moment of awe of like, yo, we did it. Like we did it. And so I think people forget that they forget like, yeah, you know, and and don't for, for those who listen. And if you already don't think like this, like most, most rich guys are not out there doing blow and partying with, with (laughs) with models all day. It's not like that. A lot of these guys. They're in an office without their family. They're traveling without their family. They're missing their kids' reunions. They're missing all this stuff. And they're doing it because it's it's part of their drive and it's part of providing. You know what's funny? Um, a lot of these innovators, they usually have the same family problems. Yeah. And it's funny because we wouldn't we're all be same. where we're at today yeah. without the innovators, without the Einsteins, right? Einstein um, divorced his first wife. Yeah. Um, he and he moved to Germany. I mean, he m- married his cousin, but yeah, like, <laughs> a little weird. He, he it it is a little weird, but yeah. like he he sacrificed um his wife and kids. He was never there. He was always in the, and we wouldn't be where we are today yeah. without his equations. No, right? Like we, <laughs> he he improvised. Um, like he he, what he yeah. did for the scientific community can't be like explained he in the words, right? The um the equations that. He that came out of his head, but he had to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So, what I would like to say is that he sacrificed for the greater good. He did, right? Um, yeah. it, it helped humanity progress and make leaps and bounds. Um, a lot of his equations we use in, in even in our processors today. Oh, absolutely. In, in the PCUs, right? Like um, the PCU, the, the yeah, the, the processing, CPUs, yeah, uh, the CPUs. Thing, yeah. So, um, uh. A lot of these innovators like uh, Elon Musk, because, you know, a lot of people, oh, he's sacrificing his family time. But this dude, like you said, he's an innovator of his time. And someday, 100 years from now, they're going to be reading about Elon Musk in history books. Yes, because something that he created, something that he innovated. Once he gets to Mars, that'll probably be the one that goes down. That'll probably be the one. Yeah. Because you know what the next step after Mars is? It's the, it's the, um, the hyperbelt. Yeah. It's it's mining gold and metals from the actual hyperbelt and solar system. I mean that's the that's the next step. This is right? how you do it. B- build a space station um out of Earth's orbit, build a space station on the moon, yeah. build a refuel station on Mars, and now we go from um infrastructure. Right? We 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 travel to the moon, we prep our spaceships are already yeah. docked, we get on a spaceship, we travel to Mars, we refuel, we go to the hyperbelt. Yeah. We we mine for gold and diamonds and there's ice, there's yeah. water there. There's, there's thing. And then we bring it back. Yeah. And the best thing is you probably won't even have to send humans. You just send robots out. You send robots. It's an infinite amount of resources mm-hmm. in the hyperbelt. Literally just an infinite amount oh, yeah. of resources that we can use for 
millions of years in the future in the hyperbelt. Everything you need is around you. So, um, yeah, he'll he'll probably be that innovator a hundred years from now that we read in history books. I I don't under- sacrifice for the greater good. Yeah, <laughs> I so. I don't understand the the fascination of humans with we'll we'll get all uppity about you know Kylie Jenner or some bullshit like that, which. I mean, good for you, girl, but fuck that shit. Um, you know, I, I don't understand it. Why do we idolize these people, right? You know, why is everyone so much worried about what the President Trump is doing than innovators? Like, why does that matter? Like, it almost feels like back in the 1600s, 1700s, and I wasn't there for it, so I, this might very well be bullshit, but I almost feel like back in the day when a discovery came out, everyone's like, oh, ah, some were scared, but there was intrigue. It seemed, or at least that's the story we kind of get across upon now. You know, Elon Musk could literally say tomorrow, oh, well, we're on court. Like, literally, this day we launch from Mars. Done. We will be there. As long as nothing goes wrong, we'll get there. And there'll be, half the world will be up in arms about it. And you're just like, are you serious now, man? Come on. Like, yeah. And and if there's anything that says that, like, and, and this is why, and I've had a lot of people tell me, like, there's things about Elon Musk that are not great. Yeah, we're humans, dude. There's a lot of crap about us that's just not great. <laughs> yeah. You, me, anyone. The thing is, what makes me believe him even more is that, two, it's two things. Number one, he's an engineer. He sits with his engineers. That speaks volumes in itself. That's amazing to me. It is. That... He slept in the office just like his engineers. Now, he was kind of an asshole, let's be honest. Like, especially when things were kind of crunching on them, he was apparently really mean to some of these these people. Like, and that's just how he handles stress. But, like, you know, at the end of the day, I think people got it. You know, you know what? When they say that, because they say that about a lot of people, but when you, you're trying to pioneer shit and you're in the moment, because a lot of scientists are like that. They're very matter of fact. They're very yeah. much assholes. Um, it's not to be taken seriously, I think. Yeah. But I think when you're in the moment and you're on the yeah. and you're on the, the the bleeding edge of technology, yeah. like you don't have time to be dealing no. with emotions or like it's the same no. thing. I, I kind of equate that, and and I'm and I don't know, you know, they, I may be wrong yeah. about this, but I kind of equate it to being in a battle zone. In a, in a combat zone it where um, you're on the front lines oh, and yeah. I don't have time to be fucking nice about the way I tell you to duck. Mm-mm. Right? Yeah. Get the fuck down. Get down. Like that's it. And right? I'm about you... to light this motherfucker up. Yeah. Right? Follow the fucking protocol. Um, you make mistakes in the field. I, I don't have time to, to sit down and be nice about it. Shut the fuck up and do what the hell I'm telling yeah. you to do. Um, it, it's a little harsh. It is. But, but when you're on the bleeding edge of technology. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of the same way where it's like, dude, we are on the fucking edge of a breakthrough. Yes. And you need to be focused. You need to be here in the fucking game now. Yeah. And if you're not in the game, get the fuck out. And it's better than him firing people. Yeah. Right. It's like, I understand that you are a smart individual and I picked you for a fucking reason Now get your head in the game or get the fuck out. And then, and there's nothing wrong with that, to be honest with you. (laughs) And and honestly, I don't even think there's anything wrong because a lot of people said that about him, but it's like, honestly, look around, man. Like half of people's fucking bosses are dickheads. Mm -hmm. They're constantly like, they're they're just, there are people that walk around here and treat everyone around them like dog shit. And there's not a reason for it. You know? So like the thing is, I, I don't care. You know, that's that's the beauty of I, I, I like where my mindset has gone over the years. I don't give a shit if you're the biggest asshole or not on this earth. As long as you morally aren't doing anything that doesn't bug that bugs me, which I'm pretty good with morals, and you're on a you're on a pursuit. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're gonna be an ass sometimes. You're gonna fire some people, you're gonna act out. 
you're going to say dumb shit on Twitter you shouldn't say, and then the SEC is going to come see you. <laughs> you know, like, bad shit happens. But, like, I can't imagine the stress. Like, I think about my own problems, right? And then combined with all the info that I store in my head at all times. Imagine him. Imagine sitting there considering that, like, you made it a millionaire, like, millions, and your millions are getting flushed down the toilet with your company as you sit in this office waiting for a miracle to happen, like what kind of stress would I be under, dude? I'd be literally telling people to get out of my face before I throw you off a building kind of thing. Yeah. I'd be gone. I'd be in, in the worst state that I could be because I would literally only be focused on what's priority number one right now. I would totally understand. And I think yeah. a lot of work environments that are like, again, bleeding edge yeah. is really high stress. It's real. It is. Um, they expect the best of the best of the best. Yeah. And they'll take nothing less. Um, same thing with like uh, uh, Linus. Yeah. When he's when he right when he's writing email nasty uh, emails, <laughs> right? Uh, he expects the yeah. best of you. Yeah. At all times. Yeah. He doesn't want to hear no nonsense. Just just. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, just be the best that you can be at all times. And 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 listen, we can argue back and forth all day, yeah. but I'm the one accepting the merge request, motherfucker. So, like, <laughs> and that's it. And, and, and that's the other thing, too. It's like, it, God, man, we can go on for, for hours with this kind of stuff. Like, I, I think that it seems like every, it's so hard to actually say because, like, I, it's almost hard to explain. Like, it seems like everyone's okay with something as long as it's them. So like if I'm doing it, it's cool, but you do it, nah, nah, nah it's not gonna work. Or oh no, nah, you're an asshole for it. Nah, man, it, it, that's not how this world works. You've got to be more fair than that. And and I think that like we're in a world right now leading to what you're saying, uh, to what we're both saying. We're in a world right now where we see the things that these innovators for us are doing, and like we'll we'll look at them and be like, oh, well, I don't believe in his cause anymore because of this or. And it's like, are you serious, man? Because like the people that decide like your taxes and everything else, they're doing a lot worse to you every day. And you're not, you don't seem that way. Behind closed doors, you're right. So I want to close this off with a question, with, with a, with a how to. Okay. For all of the younger um, listeners out there, Mm -hmm. um, Johnny actually um, (laughs) plugged the podcast into this group where uh, he's actually mentoring young developers on how to create a game. It's called World of Ants. Shout out to Johnny. Sweet. Um, Yeah, Johnny. Uh. How, how, what is the route to be taken and, and, and not to be, to be answered literally because everyone has their own path. Yeah. But what do you think anyone who's interested in being a solutions engineer, mm. um, give them some pointers on, on how to get there, yeah. how to get to the point where you are working for IBM, being a seniorly, uh, a senior solutions engineer, like yeah. h- how do, how do I go from, um, help desk to where you are to where I'm. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, I think a lot of it just comes down to, I, I think the biggest thing is like, it's, it's your passion, man. It, it's all about what you want to do. And I, I'm going to go a little bit broader and I'll still answer your mm-hmm. question. I, I think that we're starting to teach kids nowadays that they have to do a certain way to figure things out. You don't, man. Be the kid in your basement with rockets. Be the kid in your basement with electronics. Be the one with computers. Be the one with plants. Whatever it is that excites you and makes you go, go do it. And make it a hobby and learn all that you can about it. Because even if you don't make money off it later, it'll fulfill you. Mm. But from a job-specific standpoint, to do something like we do where you're going from help desk, it's, it's all about learning. You know, I... I don't like sitting at my, my, my computer for six hours connected through SSH to one of my servers to trying to figure out why a certificate won't be accepted 
or why my reverse proxy went down and it's not working. I don't like doing it at all, but it interests me and I learn. And so I think the biggest success I ever got in this, how how I got to a solutions engineer was that I got my opportunity to walk through the door whether you're in help desk, like you said, whether it's a new company that you're starting out and you from there have the chance to show them what you're worth, mm-hmm. you know, what you're made of. And, it, and, and I think people get it all wrong. And I learned this at IBM. This is the part I learned. They don't care how many hours you put in. It's not about the hours. It's not about, you know, oh, are you the guy that stays in the office until 10 p.m.? They don't care about that. What they care about is, do you have that drive? Do you want it? You know, do you want to learn? Even if you're not the best, that's what will get you there. Um, I, I think if everyone just thought about things like that a little bit more and, and really just focused on, you know, Hey, it's not about just your hard work, work hard, work hard. Absolutely. But it's really just get that passion and go learn it. And, and sorry, I, I, <laughs> I kind of went a little derailed. What I was saying about the environment specifically is that like, as much as I don't like sitting there fixing something, I still go home every day. And when there's a new tech at work, I go home and install it. And I work with it and I play mm. with it and I put it into my own use if I can. Like IBM's um, security access manager, which is a proxy. It's now my reverse proxy. Mm-hmm. So that's how I learned those things. So it, it, to summarize it, three points, right? Get your passion. You know, you don't need college. You don't need any of that if, that's, if you can't go there. But learn. Learning and then applying and then loving. I think that's, that's as simple as it is. Like, I love it. I love it, especially especially the loving part. All right, brother. That's it. So uh, we'll wrap up on that. That was a great ending to a great podcast. Oh, awesome, man. Thank you for having me. It's the first time, and it was really exciting, so I enjoyed it. All right. We're done. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great day.